Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hold up, everybody. Check this fucking out, guys. Today on the program, my second to last interview, but not my second to last episode, the DIY guy, the yinzer, the anti-hero, the surfer, the yawn patroller. This is my bro, Austin Kamfush. I'm fucking hyped. <laughs> this could be the Seabass Award because Austin and I have been friends forever. About five years, if that counts as forever. Come on. What is it, 2010? Go watch me. It's like 12 years. It's not forever. What is happening? Austin and I have been talking about doing the pod for a while, and we finally got all the stars aligned, the schedules to fucking open up windows, and we are diving in today. But before we do all that, I have to do this. Somehow I don't have a Stratosphere sticker on my wall, except for now I do. Here we go. Come on, Tom. Wanna? That Patlanta episode really had me reeling. I know I I knew I had stickers, but I couldn't find it on the damn wall, which means I didn't stick it on the wall. But I did have them. Anyway. Let's tickety-tack on over to the Blood Wizard campaign. Head on down to your local shop. Ask Blood Wizard Skateboards. Or visit bloodwizard.com for all your pondering needs. Tickety-tack. Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. In case you missed it, we dropped a Thanksgiving video on your lap and people really enjoyed it. Uh, highlights, whoo, too many. <clears throat> but man, we had a girls section with Jamie Reyes starting it off and uh, you know, Bryce Wetstein, Lizzie Armano, uh, 
a clip of Vanessa Torres, the Bitchin' Bettys providing the soundtrack. Then, for the dudes, Shane Mednich and the SM Project. Man, Shane and your Nintendo Beats making it fun and easy to edit to. These projects wouldn't even probably happen without Shane, so so much respect, love, and appreciation. But yeah, I think the highlight for me of that was uh, Mr. Michael Crabtree and Alex Fatimi from the Curbs of Rockridge, East Bay, giving me a lot of gems. But <clears throat> what stood out on top of all that was on my lap, they tossed me a gangload of Parker Barrett. So, take that, internet. I'm recording this on Cyber Monday. <laughs> I love saying cyber. Make sure you get your loved ones some Talking Schmidt over at TalkingSchmidt.com. We got some fire hats and beanies, some new t-shirts and hoodies, and uh, we got the classic cranny silhouette coming in pretty hot. People are loving it. Get over there while supplies last because we're doing smaller runs and once they're gone, I think we're gonna just move on to the next. So if you'll see something you like, it's kind of like when I go down to the saltwater fish store. If I see a coral, I gotta grab it because next time I come in, it could be gone. Always appreciate people ordering things and lately I've been inserting extra love. So you never know if you might just get something that you didn't order on top of what you ordered. Thanks for tuning in. Hope everyone's safe. Today on the show, the Yinza. What's up? This is Austin Canfush, and we're about to talk a lot of Schmidt on Talking Schmidt. Holy cannoli. It's cool. Like, tonight is the night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big dog's in. Do we really want to be here? Oh, everything's changed. We on? Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. Talking Schmidt, dude. <laughs> You're going to come out different. <laughs> shit, my pants. Wow. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. Holy shit. It's about the one. The one. The one. Who is this guy? He thinks he's tough shit. What's up? Come on, Schmitty. What the fuck? Tell the skateboard police to come get me. What is happening? I'm here for Greg Smith. Yeah! <laughs> All right, everybody, as you know, last week, the big 180 Pat Lana came in hot with the anti-hero vibes. We got another 18, but this is the one, 181, Austin motherfucking Camfoosh, my homie. Finally, we get to make this happen. How are you? Yeah, Schmidt, dude, I'm so happy that we're making it happen, too, man. I'm doing yeah. great, dude. Glad to be like not the guy to just seem like I'm blowing it all off because I wanted to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was uh, talking to you about it for a minute. So finally, I mean, it's hard for everybody to do anything these days. There's so much going on and you're one of the busier dudes, like with the family, the fucking construction, you're surfing at 4am skating at 6am working yeah. <laughs> from seven to four, then taking care of the kids from four to 11, watching yep. the sunset with your wife from 11 to three. I don't even know if <laughs> do you sleep. Like, <laughs> I've been like, whatever I'm 32 now. So I sleep less mm. when I was a teenager, man, I needed to sleep in like a maniac, but now I'm like, you know, yeah. Four to six hours. I'm styling. Okay. 
So where were you born? Were you born in in uh, Pennsylvania? No, I was born in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. My dad was in the Air Force at the time. And him and my mom had met, you know, in I grew up in a town called Hopewell, which is like right next to Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. And I think they had met sometime probably in high school and kind of she went with him to Texas for his Air Force, whatever it was, you know, he was stationed there, but then they sent him off to the Azores. And but I was born in Fort Worth, lived there for two to two and a half years. I don't remember really much of any of it, though. Mm. You and uh, Zach Hudson, you guys were there the first two years of your life. Oh, Zach was from Texas as well. Uh, yeah, I guess that's so. right. No, it's cool. Yeah. I'm like, I love having that little bit of Texas in me. So you, your dad went to the Azores. He was in. Yeah, he went to the Azores. They had him stationed out there, and I think he served during the uh, the Gulf War. Oh damn! Okay, my grandpa's from the Azores. He's 100 percent Portuguese. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, like the photos I've seen from the Azores, it just looks like super beautiful and there's surf out there and it's crazy and this and that but like my dad is so the opposite of like a army navy dude you know i think he was more like like our style partier um stoner not doing the best in high school and was just like fuck all this like i'm gonna go do this you know get a trade Mm -hmm. he was an airplane mechanic so that's what he did for them right dude but the azores yeah that would be cool. That's on the bucket list one day. Oh, yeah. Me and the wife have it high on the bucket list because her family's from the Azores, too. It's, it's What? Yeah, small, it's, that's that's pretty epic, small world. Connection. I know. Well, we were going to go there for the honeymoon, except for pan, pandemonium, pandemic, COVID style. Just we kind of decided to keep it not international for that one. Damn. So did you guys get married right around the time the honey or the pandemic had started or what's that? Dude, we got married like a week after that second virus came in and everyone was super oh, shook. Cool. Like, okay. so about I a mo- year later, I moved like in that. with her one week before lockdown. Yeah. And then that was the first wave. And then that, we, that's we a post- heavy story too. I love hearing yeah. that. <laughs> and then we postponed the marriage for another year because no one knew what was going on. But when we postponed it, we're like, Hey, if we do it with three people or 30 people or 300 people, we got to do it. Like we put it off once, but we just, we just really wanted to get married while we're fortunate that all our parents are still alive. So you never know when someone's going to drop. So like people were like, why do you have to get married so bad? It's like, because this is important to us that our parents are still alive and we need to do this. So we were getting ready like we had got the spot and everything was chilling like you know we were gonna have an indoor wedding actually at the time and then dude i was driving home one day and i was like what the fuck everybody had masks on like everyone i was like dude what's going on i come in and and cheryl's like new new variant or whatever and it was like everyone's scared like it's supposed to be way gnarlier oh so, great so right. we had to we had to shift gears and like in three i think it was three weeks away we changed it to the same location but everything outdoors nice and, yeah and just the whole deal it was not so a little more personal no one was all i mean i got no regrets I fucking, still were, but 
Yeah, well, we'd made it like, hey, if you want to wear masks, you can, but we are getting married, so we're going to take photos with masks off. Like, I don't want to have pandemic wedding photos of me and my bride. I know. That was a tough time, dude. That that sucked. Yeah, but now we're here. so We got through it. <laughs> yeah, it was killer. So how did you end up in Pittsburgh? Did you go from Texas to – how did this go? I think my parents had been – um like on their path to separating, you know, just with like maybe my dad being gone in the air force and whatever the story may have been. But mm. so I think they had split up and got divorced and went back to Pittsburgh. So, um, my mom moved back in with her parents, my dad with his parents. So for a huge chunk of my life, I just grew up at each parent's parents house, my grandparents house. So like my dad's dad and mom had a house, <clears throat> which were both in Hopewell, but my dad's side is the Lebanese side. So that would have been my Jidu's house because that's Lebanese for grandfather. And then on my mom's side, they're kind of like a, a European mix. So I'm just a bit of a mutt myself, but yeah. So we went back to Pittsburgh when I was like two and then we all kind of bounced around, but had basically lived all around the city you know like if this is the city here's a point then um aliquippa hopewell is to the west if you're looking at a map 20 25 minutes it's a big like it was a steel town so all my family grandparents um uncles a lot of them were all in the steel mills at the time oh okay that makes sense yeah so and like even you know um, grandparents too that were retired from their service working for the Navy and all that they had went to the steel mills as well with their trades that they had taken and learned whatever being an electrician for the army this and that so yeah I think um, they all kind of just everything kind of revolved around the steel mills out there but my whole family, mom and dad's side, all kind of migrated through Ellis Island. Oh. And and I don't know if that was my dad's dad or, you know, who would be my Jidu, his parents. Right. But it was either my Jidu or his dad that was from Lebanon. And then they came over Ellis Island to Pittsburgh. What was the crazy, I think, is it your wife's or is it your family that there's this crazy like cousin circle around and then we're skating with the guy? Oh, dude. So, yeah. That was insane. Tony, the, the kid like, that rides. It's like, dude, we're related. <laughs> yeah, no, the kid that rides for Enjoy. I'm going right. to butcher his last name, but I think it's Lathos. Tony Lathos. Uh-huh. But I was in um, Copenhagen, and we got a text or something. Oh, your cousin, Paula's cousin is out there, Tony. And I was like, what? I just ran into, like, Louie and Tony and these guys skating down the street with the Copenhagen friends and uh <laughs> shout out eh, Christiana and uh the enjoy dudes were across the street and I think I was with like Tao and maybe uh god I forget who else maybe Vile and uh we're like what that's fucking Louis Barletta and these guys and they're like hey you guys got a skate tool and I was like back pocket yeah what's up and so I had said, what's up to the guys? I don't think I'd ever met Tony at this point. And turns out I get a text later that evening. That's Paula's cousin. Paul and I are married now. That's my cousin. I'm like, damn, <laughs> this will fucking rips. He's really good, dude. 
uh-huh. and he's really fucking cool, man. So rad. Yeah, that yeah, was crazy. I think that's the first family member in the skate world, you know. How did you end up with a skateboard? Did you like was it through friends or or just family or or what? Oh, I rolled really tough with all my cousins as a kid. Like I had tons of cousins and um, I'm an only child. So I was just constantly with cousins and neighborhood friends and all this and that. But I got my first board when I was either seven or eight. And um, it was a blind mushroom cloud, Uh. ever slick. So that was how I knew because I had to re look back up when it had come out. So I was like, when the fuck did I first get a board? But going back even further, you know, um, half, some, almost half and half, you know, half the time with my mom, half the time with my dad. But my mom had the OG yellow banana board. Really? The one that everyone has had. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. I actually bought one like a few years ago off Craigslist just to be like, ah, this was the first board that we ever skated growing up. So my mom would skate the banana board and that was my first board too. (laughs) And then I broke the, the trucks are weird. They sit in this little plastic hole where the kingpin would be. And as a kid, I had broke this board just doing kid shit. And now we have the same board and we broke it the same way, me and my kids. So it's like full circle. You don't remember, but uh, stories from the family, do they say you were pretty much a wild kid like your uh, son, Ozzy? Yeah, I think I was like super wild, could never like, sit still. I wouldn't uh, nap, and I, but I was shy. Ozzy's oh. like, well, I guess Ozzy is a bit shy too when he comes around. At first, <laughs> once he At gets first. comfortable with you, he ain't shy. No, then it's then it is on. But yeah, no, I was definitely high maintenance and just super active. Mm. And it so, hasn't changed, man. It's hard. What's it's some, yeah, I know. Me too. I I've, like so I got the restless leg syndrome sometimes. Like my legs are just shaking. and Yeah, um, yeah. You weird. just feel that inner vibration just like, yeah, this is even harder to sit here than to not. Yeah. Um, I'm sore and lazy, but. I don't know. I like moving and do moving and grooving, doing shit. You got to. What's the what's some of the early memories that you have like as a kid like for myself we had a um school right across the street from our house and yeah. on the weekends we'd climb over the fence and just bomb the hallways and learn layback slides and just push and try to go fast, slide and all that stuff like those are some of my early memories, like learning a little bit more than just rolling, right? Like, do yeah, you remember, yeah, okay. like, remember feel, that kind of stuff? Your skateboard out and yeah, getting, like getting we got into catamaranning as friends. Like we did, de- we definitely did yeah. that. But then there was a point where we were just like trying to go really fast and then like stop yourself and like because. We had some hills, but it, I didn't live in the city yet, obviously. So I was just in the suburbs. So it was just, but from the get go, it was like, how fast can you go and still yeah. keep control? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So like Aliquippa, we were kind of like lower Hopewell on the verge of Aliquippa was my dad's parents' house. And we lived on a giant fucking hill and, you oh. know, Pittsburgh, Tur- Pittsburgh terrain is very hilly and super crusty. 
but everything was a hill. Like, you know, we lived on the hill. The neighbor's driveway was a hill. Um, so yeah, earliest memories of skating at that point would have been like, you know, roll off that curb, see how far you could get down the hill and then just like run out, slide out. Mm. Like that was the, that was definitely the initiation of like, skinned knees and the grant my should do being like like you jackasses like oh you guys are gonna kill yourself he's like the sweetest dude but we were kind of like i think raising the hair on his neck a little bit and uh <laughs> but yeah and then honestly the feeling out skateboarding a little more like fakie came to me kind of easy like i learned how to like move my board around a fakie shove it might have been the first move that i could do without even popping the tail uh-huh. but you know kind of creep backwards Patrick. and just turn you know get a little yeah. turn and then classic winter time snowing like mad can't skate anywhere just next to the water heater in the fucking basement because that was the style house they had it was like because my dad has so in this house and it was only a a little little three bedroom and uh but there was like five siblings in there you know what i'm saying so there was that little basement and there was this little garage that I think before I was born, they kind of had converted to a like kick it room down there. But next to it was just a little slab of concrete water heater and we would stationary skate right there. Oh man. Try to do kick flips, this and that. And uh, yeah, man, but I was really into like BMX and to jumping off, climbing houses, roofs, jumping off roofs, uh, we were in the woods all the time. We lived around like, even though it was a pretty like close house area. I don't know if you've been to my house in Napa, but all the houses are real close. And this is kind of like this neighborhood that I'm in now reminds me a lot of where I grew up. So huh. a lot of shit packed in real tight, but you know, a ton of room for kids to like mayhem to let loose. It was really weird. Our block that we lived on. Cause it was like, this big hill that we lived on here, but the house was here. And then behind the house that separated the next block was a long grass alleyway, a grass alleyway. So this was like where we would dig our BMX jumps when it would snow uh, in the winter time, we would like throw snowballs at cars and the police would come. We'd run down the grass alleyway and disperse to all the houses to like get away. Sick. We'd roll giant snowballs, five, six foot snowballs, and we'd just push them into the road and just watch the the mayhem ensue and nobody <laughs> could get through. All sorts of dumb shit. We would string pop cans, like we'd put fishing wire across the road and we'd hang 20 pop cans on each side and then the cars would drive through. I'm talking we're like seven years old. Right. Cars would drive through, the pop cans would get all tangled behind the car. They'd think, what the hell is falling off my car? And they'd stop and get out and we'd be like, snowballs, haha, like just little <laughs> shithead kid, just stupid kid shit. But at the same time, I got my I got my service too there. Like I'm I have such an early memory of like all these older kids coming and like just rousting us little kids, like, we're gonna kick your ass. No, and I ran inside, Dad, they're fucking gonna these kids are gonna beat my ass. And I'm like looking out the window and he's like, dude, you better like you got to be out there. You can't be running, hiding inside. So it was a great childhood, dude. And that was only on my dad's side. And then my mom's other half of the week was like just as eventful, you know? Right. 
but a whole was, different side of town, a whole different side of friends. So was there some local, um, skate park at all? Not at that time. No. Um, but shady skates was around. I don't know if you'd ever heard of that. That was in oh, Pittsburgh and that in was Pitt. in, uh, it was in shady side. Is it indoor yeah, or outdoor? It was indoor and oh. it was, it was called shady skates. And, uh, like, I'm sure at the time I was going there as such a young kid, mm. all the guys that I looked up to a little later when I figured out what skateboarding even was had been in there, you know, like Kevin Taylor, all these dudes, oh. uh, Jerry Cooper, our buddy JG, just like the Panza brothers, all these Pittsburgh guys who are like mega, mega staples in the scene. Yeah. So Shady Skates was, I think my first introduction to like an indoor park. Maybe before that, there was a few kind of out our way, but I would have been, I think, too young to even remember what the name of those were, you know. So when you go to the skate park, that's is that maybe the first time you kind of like learn about transition? Dude, not even. I don't think anything clicked with me until like 13, you know, figuring out. No, I mean like skating transition. Like, did you see? Oh, was there any ramps I was or anything? Pretty good at like, you know, I could drop in on a mini ramp. I could drop in. I could drop in on like a six foot ramp, a mini ramp. Um, oh, okay. Maybe so- just from skating around the sidewalks and shit like that. But uh, but I could never get the rock fakie. I could uh. drop in on anything, and I would hang up every time. Like, so that it all took a while, dude. And it's still how I skate today. Is like. I don't think I'm that talented, but I'm just like, I'm motivated, you know? You're definitely motivated. Do you remember, like, I I remember dropping in on vert for the first time and it was just like, it's kind of one of those things in my mind, like, like how, how do you go from zero to a hundred? Like, it's like, there's no progression. Yeah. And somebody was like, oh yeah, you just go fakey and then go up and then hit your tail and then come back in. And then oh. if you can do that, you can drop in. So that's, that's how kind I kind of a good good way. Because I was so scared, I would put the board down over and over and go. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has that battle, right? Like yeah. you're like you got to really lean forward. I'll teach kids that now too. Like yeah. just pump so you can tap it going fakie. And also, like it seems like you should learn. You should know how to kind of like work the ramp a little before you drop in. Anyway. There's no reason to drop in if you're not going to know what to do with the, you know, if you're just dropping in to jump off your board, but if you can have a little pump and and know maybe a kick turn or something, then dropping in, you're going to be like, Ooh, we're going to take it a little. Yeah. Oh, I can backside turn. I could fucking frontside turn. Yeah. Um, But I totally remember the first rail, like, God, we're going to get a little skewed in this time frame here, but I'm going to do my best to like get us through it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine first rail i ever hit was the neighbors um like wooden five stair down into wooden. their down into their little like it was the bayes's house and that's like this is still all my family you know like these are generational families that have all grown up in these houses for multiple generations so that was the bayes's house and i might have even waxed it with like deodorant i was i did that in the past at one point like this thing's sticky i don't even know what to do like oh maybe <laughs> deodorant is the ticket you know yeah huh 
Yeah, I have such good memories at that house, man. Like stealing my grandma's misty menthol 100s as a kid, just being like, what do I do? Like, you're just a kid. You're like stoked. And back, back when people smoked in the house, drive you to school in the winter with the windows up, smoking in the car, like Dude. you do that now. And they're like, your fucking kids are out of here. <laughs> oh, we were just talking about that the other day. Like, can you believe people used to smoke on airplanes? Like, it's crazy. I know. How about they still got the damn ashtrays? <laughs> Like, take them yeah. out. You're tempting people. Yeah, it's for true, man. Um, and so your first was your true like sports thing. Was were you more football? Like I know you had the uh, Steelers. No, I, I was like soccer. I was a soccer maniac just because oh. like how busybody I was. Okay. So they got me into soccer, and I pretty much liked all these sports, and I liked everything until about like. Fifth, I feel around fifth grade is when they started pressing you to practice every day after school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's way too much time. I think I hard quit everything around like, you know, early middle school. How many people do you know that got into skateboarding because either or both they hated team sports? They didn't like relying on like all these guys and having to be like, you know, compared or yeah. they didn't they didn't want to go to class after class. Like I don't want to yeah. go practice like and have a teacher telling me what to do. Yeah, man. I I know plenty of those, but also a few of the really close friends of mine that I grew up skating with, like, had never done sports. So I kind of felt like I, I was so behind on mm. the fucking scale of skating because a couple of my buddies like Drew Winden especially was one of them has always been like so talented at skating and stylish and just like, fuck you want to skate like that? Like almost like a Kenny Anderson, but just even more to it. But he was never had ever done any fucking sports. And I thought that was cool. I'm like, man, this kid knew what he wanted to do all the fuck along, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely tried to do it all. I tried to, you know, soccer was when I was younger and then I tried baseball and they kind of left me out in left field. Like, and I was like picking worms and do to do, you know, and then football was a little more physical. I was like better at that. And then, yeah, even had to wrestle for a little bit uh-huh. and, uh, physical. I've always been good at that, like physical stuff, you know, but like I said, around middle school, it just all clicked that like, this is not, Anything that I feel like doing besides skating. I really wanted to skate. But before that, I was really big into like BMX and too, like I said. And we would BMX around. We'd BMX around because we didn't have to be home until the streetlights were on or anything like that. So cruise around and then it became cruising around with your board. And then it was like, all right, let's hit the let's hit the dirt jumps. Let's hit the schools. We'll get, we had like a couple curved wall rides in the where like um, home plate would be, you know, mm. on the bottom four feet. There'd be that hard rubber. Mm-hmm. but there was like a grassy mound up to the hard rubber. So that was a sick wall ride. Uh, and it just transitioned to where like when we control the board, the bike spots became the skate spots. Oh, and then it fully, we, we phased out the BMX because there's a huge fucking BMX scene out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania as well. Like, and a lot of these dudes that I grew up with and my cousins who are a little older than me, were huge BMXers and 
my cousins kind of more like went down the bad path of whatever, you know, being a fuck up kid. And mm. one ended up going to prison. The other ended up doing good and having a family. But the other BMXer friends, like the Patosnies, ended up like professional BMXers. Oh, damn. And I think the one dude, Mark Patosny, that we grew up with just got like the equivalent of skater of the year, but BMX style. Whoa. So everyone BMXed around us, except for me and my little squad, we had like took in the skating super tough. Hmm. That's sick. Who was uh, your like early influences? Like who would you like be super stoked? Maybe your first video part or like when you started looking through the mags, it was somebody that you were just always like looking for to see if you had a photo in there or something like that. Well, yeah. So there was, there was years, Schmitty, of like, didn't know, didn't care. Yeah, I bet. Until, until I kind of linked up with um, my buddy. You you definitely would know Pittsburgh Bill, Bill Cunningham. Mm. It would probably jog your memory if you had seen him. But between Bill Cunningham and Rob Starr, these guys were my outlet to like everything fucking skating. So like, welcome to hell. Jump off a building every morning before we skated. You know what oh, I'm saying? Okay lie to my mom hey i'm gonna just be like down the street bill would pick me up in his crusty van we would go fucking skate all around pittsburgh and do all this shit you know so so Who's those guys were my so that, hell. that was what i fucking grew up on was welcome to hell jump off a building and we watched those every fucking day so i don't know man i just was so like into wanting to skate everything at that point and kind of Pittsburgh, I feel like, had it, you know? And a lot of people still go there, and they're like, oh, Pittsburgh's so rad, but the spots kind of suck. And I'm like, you just got to look at them a little differently and make do with what you got because, I mean, I've traveled the world and the States, and Pittsburgh still is, like, one of my favorites for skating because there's just so much to skate. And for the last 20 years, everyone's been finding new shit still. But I would say influences being from the East Coast. I mean, obviously, when I was like super young and we're watching Jump Off Building, Welcome to Hell, everyone in there, um, Brian Anderson, Alyssa Steamer, Muska, Jamie Thomas. But then as I started to learn a little more, I found out about like Kevin Taylor, Mike Maldonado. Um, Brian Mashad, anyone who had Pete Eldridge, anyone with affiliation to Pittsburgh, uh. which I would see footage because then a little later we started watching um, Mark Branstetter's video, the plain and simple videos. Mm. And that was basically like Tony Montgomery, all those dudes I just named, Carrie Getz. So heavy East Coasters. So we started being like, whoa. But we would get little tidbits of like the Gons. Because, like, all my older friends are like, dude, you don't know about the Gons? You don't know about Cardiel? You don't know about, like, all these fucking, like, you're blowing it. So, huh. I've always been so hard to pinpoint to myself, like, favorite skaters. Because, I don't know, I'm just such a fan of skating, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Style or not. Like, obviously, you got to have style. Sure. You got to be, like, in love with skating for me to feel like I can... Not even, you don't have to have style. As long as you're in love with skating, then I can get down with you no matter what. If you can't even do anything. But yeah, it was just, dude, everyone, I was such a fan of it all. 
But I really wanted to like skate rails and jump off big shit too when I started getting a little better at this stuff, mm. which I wish I hadn't because my body is fucking thrash. <laughs> but maybe that's just life too, you know what I mean? What about Eastern Exposure? Was that in your... Oh, yeah. Fuck like yeah, Donnie dude. Barley? Because, yes. Donnie Barley is one of my all-time fucking favorites. Right. And uh, especially because... As we got a little older too, the Panza brothers, Nick Panza and Henry Panza. Uh-huh. Nick is the older brother. Henry Panza is the younger brother, but Henry Panza rode for traffic. So we were in tune with like Ricky Oyola and all these dudes too. So we were schooled by our elders on just, you know, East Coast rugged street skaters, basically, you know. And Donnie, Donnie Barley definitely fucking embodied that shit. And I had always been a big fan of Donnie Barley. Who was like the first pro you saw in person? When I was real young, I saw a toy machine demo at Mr. Small's skate park, which is Evan Smith's uncle's music venue slash skate park. So back in the day, there used to be a park on the river, Fat Burt Ramp crazy weird street course that was almost borderline bmx style but uh-huh but yeah no i got an ed templeton autograph on like a old one of those magazines the skateboard mag so i remember those guys coming through and then also seeing their street footy that came out in one of those toy machine videos maybe fuck i can't remember the name but i saw these guys getting down in pittsburgh spots and i was like oh mad shit is possible like we went and hit every spot that they got clips on like we're getting clips on all these fucking spots <laughs> yes that's amazing uh, but not many uh <laughs> not many companies and shit back in the day would come through pittsburgh i know before i was really skating there was dj's skate shop or mm. DJ skate park and that was in Aliquippa and that was like where Kev KT Kevin Taylor kind of he's got family ties to Pittsburgh as well so he might have ridden for that shot back in the day but he definitely was out there skating demos but that was a little before my time that was probably early 90s it's pretty important like the older you get you realize that when there was these people in front of you or with you that made it, maybe at the time you didn't realize this, but it did open up this sense like, oh, it's attainable. I can touch that too, you know? Definitely. It's like and, with uh, with my friends, they started getting sponsored and stuff. And I was like, oh, like, you know, Bryce Knights is taking photos with you? What the fuck? You know, like, uh, that's yeah. like, you're fuck just yeah. like, dude let's go and yeah i remember the attitude like when you're young it was like just not caring just like if i have to drive all night totally. and sleep in the back of the trunk i will like yeah. we have to be wherever it is yeah like that was really like it's a lot different for me now i'll admit but like yeah, what, no. <laughs> at the, in those days it was just go 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 you know and it was It was like those little windows that open, like people have always told me. And that's what I would say to kids, like, don't pass up an opportunity when you're trying to, because those might, it might be the one and it might be the only one. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true, man. And just to like 
just to know that as a kid that like what mm-hmm. there's some buddy that we all look up to bryce for me it was like kt or henry panza like what fools from pittsburgh are doing it like oh wow yeah maybe that is something and i don't even think that had crossed you know trying to like make something out of skating probably didn't even cross my mind till like late late teenager you know 17 18 before that it's like you said just pedal the metal skate your ass off i remember not to get too off topic but our homie rob star who does the fuck yins and he also was like our filmer back there but we took a trip to chicago around this time 17 or 18 and we packed so much in our homie greg pascarella's truck or little like suv and rob fucking for eight hours from pittsburgh to chicago this fool did not move we took one piece stop and he was just like this (laughs) i was like dude you're giving me fucking claustrophobia just looking at you right there like i had lucked out and got like you know, I was one of five people in the back row that fits three. So we yeah. were like, this is great. Oh, okay. Um, you probably- yeah, dude, to know that somebody from your town has, you know, been there and doing things and still a figure, you're just like, oh, it's so possible. The world mm. is fucking just our oyster. Um, I'm sure you've told the story before, but what what is the uh, origin story of Yins? How far does it go back? beyond my grandparents generation really yeah so like my my grandmother on my mom's side the beaver because aliquippa hopewell is in beaver county which is right outside it's the next county next to allegheny blah 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 but her generation they say yuns what are yuns doing okay i think i've heard that it goes back hundreds of years i mean fuck man is that and I don't know what, and it's only it's strictly to like Pittsburgh. I mean, obviously now like all of our friends and people that have been to Pittsburgh and they're just like, oh my god, these people are fucking characters. Like everyone says yins now, but yeah, Pittsburgh people have that thick ass accent. They mm. have they say shit that not many people can understand. It's like if if in the bayou of Louisiana is the top of that scale of like what the fuck are they saying <laughs> pittsburgh is like right below them of almost not knowing what they're saying wow but you could still fucking hear it a little bit so yeah but i i remember like paula when she met me my my wife now she was like oh i like your accent and i was like what accent you know she's like you from the south or some shit i was like no i'm from pittsburgh but i think <laughs> i've lost it now that i've been in california for fucking like 12 years you know yeah, I think you got like a little like subtle, but not it ain't thick or nothing. Not not like when I live there, or even if I go back for more than like a week, it'll start coming in tough. Oh man, what's uh, what's the first trip like? Do you, when do you like come yeah. to California for the first time or something like that? Cross the like go west. Well, I want to give. I I'm guessing you went to New York or some some of those yeah, places first. Yeah. Before we before we start venturing out west, I gotta like shed light and give props to um everything that happened in the east because mm-hmm. uh, as little kids before we were even affiliated with the skate shop or anything, we would take little filming trips to Akron, Ohio. 
and to Cleveland. So we would go that way just because those towns, Akron, Cleveland, just had a ton of fucking shit to skate. Sweet country. Yeah. And we never crossed paths with him or anything, but like. He had spots back there. But but there's so much rad shit, and I can't wait to go back because, you know, from my early teens to my early 20s, we just frequented Cleveland and Akron so much that we we had it dialed as much as Pittsburgh. But then we kind of get affiliated. Well, we didn't kind of. We did with One Up Skate Shop. But just to backtrack a little bit, so my first job ever was at a skate park, B-Cubed Skate Park. I was huh. like 14 going on 15 and uh, it was at the airport ice arena in Pittsburgh and on the lower floor, they were opening up a skate park. So I told the story in um, that anti or anti-hero New Zealand trip video and I could just summarize it real fast for mm. us, but I think I was nine or 10 years old and they're opening up a skate park, like really fucking close to our house, indoor park what we're going to have something to fucking do in the winter like b cubed was the skate park so we go there and it was on a dried up ice rink really fucking smooth floors you know what i mean but a bunch of wooden ramps built on that and uh i'm doing laps around the outer perimeter and my dad is trying to get gnarly on a bmx bike and he'd always had told me his whole life like he had bmx he could blast jumps like he'd show me all the shit oh i fucking bombed this hill got hit by a car here like doing this and that and i was like man you're crazy so i'm taking my laps around this ice rink and one lap around and i just see like this crowd of people and i'm so little 10 i kind of get in there and there's some guy knocked out all this blood and i'm just like oh this is like oh this is, this is heavy and i'm like it's my dad he had went to like go over this tabletop. The ground was so slick when he went down front tire, zung out to the side, boom, knocks himself out, out cold. He's snoring, blood everywhere, split his wig. And oh. I went up running, ran screaming, crying, trying to find my stepmom. Dad's dead. He's in there. He's dead. Like I was traumatized and she woke him up and uh, we take him to the hospital and he's like, did we win? And we were like, what do you mean? He's like, did we win the hockey game? And we were like, yeah, you guys won because my dad and stepmom played deck hockey. So that was another early memory. Deck hockey is where you just run around. With no skates? No skates. And so (laughs) they'd run around and fucking, these guys were ruthless, man. So I would sit on the bench as a little kid and just hear all these crazy wild stories and they're partying and going off in this now so yeah the the b cube skate park opened that indoor thing and uh, it was downstairs for a few years and then it moved upstairs so then boom i get my first job and all that we have to do is check wristbands so we keep it tight for maybe a month make sure we get a couple paychecks and then we just started like opening up the back door letting all the friends in you know because we're like a two-hour sesh was 10 bucks for all day was like almost 20 And so charge everyone you don't know, and then the homies are in the back door. Yeah. And then that, that led to like, you know, just shithead kids not really doing our duties, not cleaning up the park, throwing the trash under the ramps, 
they caught on to us letting everyone sneak in and and it was all around the time that this airport ice arena was kind of shit in the bed because the owner of it had done some tax fraud or tax evasion and uh he ends up going to prison for this for a few years the whole thing shuts down mm-hmm. but like dude it was just a it was a weird zone for a 15 year old kid these adult hockey leagues would be having all sorts of weird stuff going on in the locker rooms and these older dudes would buy us booze and we were just it was it was pretty crazy but i was cashing a paycheck on the books oh to get to skate every yeah. day all winter ah so granted we weren't making anything minimum wage maybe 5 6 bucks an hour at the time but we'd clock in and we would go upstairs to the skate park three o'clock and skate till eight every single day Fuck. until it closed down when we were like 17. So that was like four solid years of like, we had somewhere to skate all fucking winter. Ah, so that's where you really got your fucking. And that had a big vert wall. It had a couple like tabletops for the BMX guys. It had Mm. an epic flat bar, mini ramp, six foot ramp. So we kind of learned, that's where we really learned how to skate. This all leads into linking up with the one up skate shop guys. So the, the park is like 10 minutes outside of the city. And so the dudes from the city, shady skates had shut down a few years before they'd always come to there and they caught wind of our little squad. And we're like, dude, you guys got to come and fucking hang with us, skate with us. Like, and we kind of knew, Oh, we go and like film and do this. We could get on the shop. And at this time, one up was still in a store that was called time bomb and time bomb was where like all the hip hop scene in Pittsburgh was. So we were seeing all these sick ass rappers too, like Mm. Mac Miller, Wiz Khalifa, all these Pittsburgh legends were affiliated with brick Diggler who owned time bomb. And like, we'd be like, what that's brick with a photo with method man and fucking red man ghost face. We were like, this is the sickest shit on earth. And one up just had a little desk in the back, a mini board wall and clothes. And that was it. Huh? But that's where I had met Mark Branstetter, Jay Strickland. I'd see Phil Lejansky, uh, Carrie Getz, Pete Eldridge coming through town. And we had started to know at this point, wow, like these are the fucking baddest dudes on the East Coast, you know, mm-hmm. Kevin Taylor, all that shit, Mike Maldonado. So we were like, all right, we got to ride for one up. This is like the sickest shit ever. And we were little stoner kids at that time. And they had the craziest weed. And we were like, fuck, we're smoking sour diesel. The ghost face probably smoked this and that. So that leads into all of our trips. So as younger kids, we're going to Ohio. Once we linked up with the shop, we started to go to Washington, D.C. Because our friend Klein had went to college in Pittsburgh, but was from Arlington, Virginia. Mm. So... As 15-year-old skate shop owner, Greg's like, yo, we're going to go to Pulaski. We're going to stay at Klein's house. And Klein had been friends with Jack Curtin, Darren Harper, all the DC heads. So we'd stay there and we would just lurk out at Pulaski so tough, like for days on end. I've spent the night at Pulaski, like 4th of July, we get left there. Our skate shop owner, homie Greg, is like nowhere to be found. I'm like, fuck, we're sleeping under the round planners that everyone skates so that was like the dc connection but then we would go everywhere because philly 
we had such a tight knit relationship with everyone at Nocturnal. So oh, that okay. was that was Carrie Getz, that was Mark Branson, yeah. that was Jay Strickland. I had met mm-hmm. Alyssa at a really then. early like teenage years. Yeah, lurking out in Philly and uh Jamal Smith, Jay Klotz, like like I said, Pete was, uh, was still living Bobby Warris at that time. And we had seen Bobby like at Pulaski these times he'd be filming a really rad line somewhere and we'd be like, fuck, we got to stay over here. Like he's got that zone. Like that's his zone. (laughs) But yeah, New York always had intimidated me as a kid. And there was just so much going on and I had a hard time getting footy there because it was flat. And I was just used to like crusty hilly terrain. Like I said, I've never been that good at skating. So like I'm not a a technical skater, but so our whole East Coast um, vibe there was so cool. Kyle Nicholson, I cannot forget him. Mm. Nelly, Big Red was a filmer out there. These guys straight up were like my ends to the skateboard world. Oh, rad. Because I had gotten a few like through Henry Panza, I think Shockus may have been the Vox TM. Like they piggybacked me a pair of shoes in Henry's you were box. box. I got a pair of one pair of Vox. <laughs> and uh, we had like kicked it with those dudes in Chicago on a little skate chop trip. And it was like Tyler Surrey, Drahobel, Shockus. Um, who's the homie that works at high speed? Little dude, red hair. Oh, Freddie? Freddie was on that trip too, I think. Maybe some affiliation <laughs> with Box. I may oh, have even yeah. been like an email conjunction with him at some point. Just like Wow. So yeah. yeah, before anything even happened out west, we had such a a tie with like we had a friend who went to college in Baltimore to an art school. So we knew that whole scene. And it was so easy just a four hour trip. We would do it after a night of like working like I said, I might be bouncing around the story now, but we were like janitors at this nightclub in Pittsburgh. And I remember on New Year's Eve one night, you know, we got off work at three in the morning. And we were like, oh, we're hyped up. Let's yeah. go to fucking Philly. We all night trip to Philly, roll up to fucking Nocturnal's front doorsteps. Like, we're here. We're the fucking stupid <laughs> Pittsburgh kids. What's up? Holy shit. Was is uh like Jake Johnson, he's not from back there? Oh no, Jake. Yeah. So Jake moved to Pittsburgh around the time that we were all living out there. But I want to say this is a little later, maybe around when I'm like 21. I'm still around like the 18, 19 year old oh, year. Yeah. But yeah, so oh man, we spent back to backtrack a little more, we spent so much fucking time in Philadelphia. Like so much time. My first trip to Philly, like I said, I may have not even been 16 yet, but we roll up there. The skate shop's closing down. And my buddy Greg, who owned One Up, Pascarella, affiliated with these guys. Shop's closing down. Let's go in the basement. Boom. We're in the basement. Now we're down there. Not to glorify anything, but like little kids, stoked, smoking a blunt with my heroes. Maldonado, Kevin Taylor. Carrie's uh-huh. like, closing up the shop. You guys got to get out of here. But I was just like, damn. I'm with like some serious dudes who I've like pretty much tried to skate like my whole life, you know? Uh-huh. And now we get to skate together. It was so cool. 
Okay. So that was a big moment. Philly was huge for us. So we'd go back all the time, dude. And I've gotten it for some reason. I don't know if it's a Philly Pittsburgh beef, whatever it is. We always stayed in South Philly off fifth and Porter was the house. And man, if we didn't get in a fight every trip that we were out there, we got our ass fucking kicked every time what? we were out there. But we'd hold our own and we would try to fight too. But like, if you had a P on your hat, it was a Pittsburgh P, like no matter where you're at, a house party, a bar, this and that, you're uh-huh. going to get fucking, someone's going to try to fucking beat your ass. Oh, it was just like, I couldn't believe like, yeah, we had probably gotten singled out in Pittsburgh for being like skate kids and just, where our shop was, was a really like weird strip. It was called East Carson street and the South side. And it's all the bros and clowns and the Jersey shore type, not to knock Jersey shore, but you know what I mean? Like the TV show, not like all our skate homies. Situation. The <laughs> but they're just like shithead kids. Like we're going to kick your ass. And then Man. you're like, oh, okay, we'll see about that. Let's see what you got. And it was never on the offensive. We were always on the defensive, trying to fend for ourselves. Hey, can I? Can we do a little pee break I, real fast? Time out. Yeah, two seconds. I'll be two yep. seconds. I'm outside, no, so it'll be quick. N- no problem. This is Waylon Trujillo, and you're watching Talking Schmidt. Must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. All right. I feel like now we're almost a bit caught up enough to get sort of into like the West Coast connection so you you haven't even been west coast like even like to disneyland or any type of vacation yet no so i did take an early trip with my stepdad and mom or sorry my dad and stepmom to like monterey san francisco when i was real young dude but i was still like i knew the spots i may (laughs) have been 14 or 15 oh hell yeah I was like, we got to find Third and Army, we got to find Clipper Ledge, and we got to find the three up, three down. Wow. And we found it, dude. I got like a, I think I did a kick flip or a frontside flip over the macaroni elbow at Third and Army. Have my, I made my stepmom film it on like a little Sony handicap. Cool. I did a 180 up to like fakie frontside 360 at three up, three down. And then I got spooked at Clipper. Didn't step to it. Wow. So you were here, but then. Um... I was here and I I have such faint memories. I don't really remember any of it vividly. I remember being in Monterey and seeing crazy big waves. Mm. And, uh, and then I remember definitely like some like homeless people around the mission when we were by three up, three down. Like, whoa, we're in a pretty wild seeming zone you know? Yeah. And then I did the splits at that handrail, <laughs> um, out in the sunset that Peter Rod might've frontside flipped over. It was at a school classic nine stair or 10 stair. Oh, is it the one out by like uh Lincoln maybe off Irving or Washington? Kirkham? Yeah. Maybe that one. The one that everyone's got like Cairo nollied over it. Yeah. Okay. Did the did the splits there and but I had already been having like fucked up knees since I was even a younger kid. Like oh really? Totally, yeah. So I've always had loose knees. But yeah, so I had been to the West Coast only then, 
but my skate connection to the West Coast. So, like, this is what I'm saying. Even as a really young kid, I just knew, like, there's skating happening out there, too. Mm-hmm. So, Sean Conover, oh. do you know that name? Yeah, I know Sean. So, he's from Florida, and I had linked up with Evan Smith really young because his uncle lived in Pittsburgh. Mm. So, I had kind of got to know these guys around, like, 13, 14, and uh, Sean's dad lived in pittsburgh so sean would occasionally visit in the winter but he was like we were nobodies barely even shop sponsors but he was on like a couple companies that we were like damn this guy's kind of doing it ezekiel maybe and like some board company out of florida but he had been living in san diego or was about to live in san diego so i knew right then like dude I want to fucking come and stay with you and try to skate SD for like a week or whatever. So this is where I wish I had a better timeline of the story. But so I think it was probably around 16. I come and stay with him at, in Ocean Beach at his house in San Diego. Oh, sick. And it just so happens to be that Davis Torgerson was his friend as well. We're there at the same time. So then I established a Minneapolis connection. So then that would start our Pittsburgh treks to Minneapolis. Uh-huh. And I had met not many SD people because it was really only me and Davis and Sean skating. But uh, I really want to say that we had met Ivory Turner around that time. Mm. And he's a filmer down there. Yep. Lokester. I think his dad used to be like an old school downhill like speed skateboarder type of guy so that was like what san diego is so fucking sick and i think i was getting clowned by my pittsburgh homies because i was like oh when i'm fucking old enough i'm going to sd like fuck pittsburgh fuck the winter you know and uh especially henry panza was like so diehard east coast like ricky Oyola. he was like that's whack and i was like yeah whatever <laughs> i'm doing me like you guys are you guys are on your own now huh so and i hadn't met anyone at that point i hadn't met any walker i hadn't met dave cole any of my shuffle connection hadn't established that yet okay so i made it through high school and i was like fuck i gotta go live in sd like i tried to take some college classes out there and uh basically had met like dave cole and john Lufer when i probably should have started taking these classes and i was already heavy partying like drinking like a maniac and (laughs) i fully didn't attend anything i tore my acl like two months after completely just quit you know after maybe three months and was just crashing at the shuffle house at the time Mm -hmm. which was like john lupfer dave cole walker would poke down occasionally the dude who owned the house was our friend Andy Arabito. He was a Navy SEAL, so he would be out of town on tour in Iraq a lot of the time, and we would just be there partying, this and that. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was off to a great start. Like, had a did place you, to stay, was did, filming. Did you get in the and, ocean at all? We would just like take dips, you know. Not surf though. Boxers just dive in and cool down and run back out. 
I had grown up going to the Outer Banks and like Virginia Beach and Myrtle Beach as a kid. That was like a really big Pittsburgh East Coast thing is like summertime. Everyone takes their trip. Big families get together and they all just rent a little house or get hotel rooms, go to the beach. So I have been in tune with the ocean my whole entire life, as young as I can remember, like getting sucked out in rip currents, bodyboarding, boogie boarding. <laughs> yeah. Tried to rent a surfboard at one time and was like, I can't do this, you know? Uh huh. But so back to that like shuffle connection. So I start to uh, get footy, start skating with like the skate mafia guys. We're lurking out at OB Park, super tough, real blender, like Neil Headings, Hewitt, all the fucking guys that were like, wow, this is so fucking radical. And, uh. Uh, and then I get, so this must be before I tore my ACL because like this at this point, college was totally out the window. I had got busted partying and like <laughs> the cops came and we hit all the shit outside of like somebody's window. And I had kind of just fucked myself up school wise. Like, I don't know if it was like a suspension or whatever it was, but I had already known at that point I didn't want to do any of that. And I would rather just work and skate. Because. Back in Pittsburgh, I had already worked at Panera, at the skate park. I had worked as a bar back. All these stupid fucking jobs that I was like, ah, I can just work and get by. So we're kicking it with Smolik, Brandon Turner, Anthony <laughs> Mosley. Like, I could go on and on. The sickest list of fucking dudes. And uh, I think I started getting flowed skate mafia boards. But it Damn wasn't it. anything wasn't anything official through like Dan Connolly or anything, but it was kind of just like boards in the van. Oh, here's Austin and Dave Cole. I'm going to break them off each with like a couple boards, you know? Okay. So we got mafia boards for a little bit. And then, yeah, like I said, I think I tore my ACL. And at the same time, my buddy Dave Crave had like blown his elbow off. So I get my knee redone, and within a few weeks or a month, my homie Dave blew his elbow off, napped a stick, a, a rod, like halfway up his forearm. So we sat at the house. I just called it the shuffle house, but it was like the Linda Vista house or whatever it was. And we just sat there together and kind of just recovered together. So we grew like a super tight bond, and we got to skating again together. And before we should have even been skating either of us, it was like, let's just go to OB Park and catch hot laps. Like, no grinds, no nothing. Let's just pump. And then that turned into like, we're healing a little more. Let's go to Washington Street. And that's where I feel like Dave is the reason that I kind of learned how to skate like real transition and not oh. just a six foot ramp at a skate park, you know? Yeah. But it was recovering from that ACL surgery, skating too soon, learning how do I adapt to my new fucked up body to be able to skate, you know? And that worked out for me. It was like pumping, carving, catching grinds, yeah. which eventually led back into street skating again, but it was a long fucking time, man. And I didn't, they gave me a brace. I didn't wear a brace. They told me to go to rehab. I went one time. Like it just, I've never been good with that, um, conventional recovery method. Like physical therapy and whatnot. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'll just work my skate muscles back on my own. You know, I can't 
get on a fucking bench press machine and bench press my legs and expect to like get my skate muscles back was my mentality, which mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe if I would have went there out, I would have been better off than I am now, but I'm happy to where I'm at. You know, I had it. I'd blown out my other knee a little further down the road. We'll get to that. But mm-hmm. yeah, like as skaters, we just adapt, we heal and figure it out. What's the best shit you saw go down at the uh, under the bridge over there in in uh, Washington Street? Dude, anytime that Hewitt would turn it on, we were just blown away and fucking amazed. And we had only heard tales from like Ivory of like, oh, wait till you see fucking Pete turn it on. Because we're like, we see Pete here a lot, but like he's just laying low. He's like, shut up, just wait. And we're like, all right, all right. Definitely yeah. seen Neil Headings get down. Um, Rye <laughs> Clancy was a local. I don't know if that Rye, but that's what I call him, Rye Clancy. But uh-huh. Rye was always sweatpants, biggest backside airs, just no grab, like backside always sick shit. And uh, Alex Pearlson's brother was. Oh yeah, what does Brandon was Brandon, Brandon was yeah. always there, fucking destroying it. Tom Grom, we'd always try to steal Tom's lines because he had it super dialed. Hits, if you saw hits sighting getting some down there that was what about chris cope man i'm wondering if chris was kind of lurking sd a little later than i was after that because i've always been a fan of chris cope and like he's just amazing to watch and yeah i don't know if i ever got to see his like washington street destruction Uh harry fucking ryan harris was a heavy washington street had lines we were like this motherfucker is so good. <laughs> okay. So you you met Rhino early then, right? Did you? Oh, did... man. If we if we had met, it would have just been a quick, like, oh, I didn't know you. You didn't know me, but nice to meet you. Maybe through Cranny or something like that. But okay. uh, around the same time that I started getting that Skate Mafia flow, Cranny was like, yo, OJ is about to fire up again we want to give you wheels. Are you down? And I was just like, fuck. Yeah. Because Cranny was such a lokester at the park. We were just friends. I didn't know him as like preacher Cranny or like, I didn't even know his footy. I just knew, damn, this guy is so fucking cool. Funny. He's like down for us. We love him. And, but we knew like, okay, what OJ fuck. Yeah, let's do it. So he was then my, introduction and connection with um with getting indies i didn't even never got indies from rhino in the first place it was only because they piggybacked them into my nhs oj oh, for my ojs okay yeah huh but then skate mafia slowly translated into like i think <laughs> we had started to travel up north a little bit oh yeah the cat uh, sick cat shot i just did a profile real quick the kitty hangs with me because the kids are too wild for her. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so um, Cranny starts sending the OJs. The Skate Mafia was never like, it hadn't turned into us going on any trips, but just like, those are our brothers still to this get, this day. Like, those are my brothers. For uh, life. I love those guys. They're the best. And, uh, for sure. Harry started getting Santa Cruz. And uh, he was like, dude, I will get you Santa Cruz boards mm. if you're down. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm down. And I think 
at this time I had recovered from the ACL. I'd probably pop back to the East coast. Um, I had been staying out in Philly and these guys had also done a revamp of action shoes. Oh yeah. And I'm like, what you guys are about to go on a trip to the West coast, like a month long cross country trip. And I was talking with Kyle staying with Kyle Nicholson. And I was like, dude, what do I got to do? Like, I've been filming with you guys, the same squad. You guys are all getting these shoes. Like, I'm spray painting my fucking shoes to, like, look like yours. Like, I just want to be in. Can I get on this trip? He's like, I don't know, dog. Like, I don't know. You're going to have to fucking you gotta talk to plane. You got to talk to plane. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so they were at Nocturnal about to get in the van and leave. And I'm, like, there, like, lost puppy with my book bag. Like, all right, guys. Like, <laughs> later. I'll catch a fucking mega bus back to Pittsburgh, I guess. Like, good seeing you guys. And uh, Plane just came up to me. He's like, what's up? You want to roll with us? And I was like, dude, I'd be honored. Like, he's like, all right, don't fucking blow it. Get down. Get as much shit as you can. Let's do it. I was like, thank you so much. I'm there. Let's do it. Did a month-long trip, and we got tons of shit. And halfway through that trip is when Harry called me. Do you want to get some fucking nhs you know you're already on oj do you want to get santa cruz flow and i was like yeah sure and uh that was jordan shout Daddy out Oyan at the time oh. was the team manager wow so i start getting and he graduated with paula my wife's older sister so like she's known paula my wife since she was a little ass kid that's insane yeah it was a real small world but like cranny and fucking jordan were so good to us dude like i'd get 12 boards in a box almost uh. 20 sets of wheels like fucking 10 sets of indies cranny is like power box slang it at the shop and i was like Fuck, yeah here comes the nice and so i did that for a long time dude like i think oj kind of got my foot and cranny got me like a little more in the door of the skate world you know because I think action was kind of looked at like what these idiots are trying to like revamp this company again. Like good luck. Mm -hmm. But it was a six squad. Javier Nunez, Kyle Nicholson, me, Mike Maldonado, Kevin Taylor, Manny Santiago. Like, Manny. I don't know. Dude, I might have met you. I don't know if you were with them, but they came to SF and uh, we got Alyssa and I took them to this rail like out by like her house. It's like down these i forget exactly where it was but manny was I with them I, yeah, I kick clipped it i was there i got i was filming and Alyssa did like an ollie off like some ledge like yeah uh, no uh, i knew i had met you a long time ago uh, before anything <laughs> yeah and we filmed a double rock an action double rock yes so i met felper then okay yeah we were just like i think i was 21 at that point and i was just like this is so cool we were so baked off like with hash balls and all the shit that I was like, it was such a foggy memory, but I remember it was so amazing. And, uh, that was this trip that I forget if Manny did like burial heel back 50 or nollie heel back 50 on Clipper. But the night before we were just getting into it, like, you know, friends do on a trip when you're like sick of each other. Mm. And I think I had soaked his board in the bathtub all night. <laughs> just this like a fucking, cause I don't know why we were just like that, you know? 
Yeah. Because uh, he was so amped up. Clipper, tomorrow we're going to get this. And I like soaked the board in the bathtub. And <laughs> he still got it on that board, too. Damn. It may have been the first San Francisco skate trip with like a company, but I'd definitely been through the bay with like Dave Cole and Harry and those shuffle guys. But we would go up to like Anglin and to like these northern towns. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'd tap in with Oakland, but never much in the city at first. Okay. That's sick. So then, yeah. So that was the action Santa Cruz, OJ, but I started to get indies. And that was like, one of my most proud fucking stoked moments in skating to that point was like fucking indies in a box. Yeah. I was pretty, just pretty blown away by that, you know, because I thought everything else that I was kind of like getting nothing was too official or too legit in my mind. But once like I got a couple indie shirts and a couple indies, I just thought, wow, like, fuck, that's heavy. Right. Damn. So how does that, um, so you were still living back in Pittsburgh when when that happened or you were couch surfing in San Diego? So the couch surfing in San Diego turned into summertimes in Pittsburgh. You always got to go back to the East coast. Okay. Cause it's nice and nowhere is better than Pittsburgh in the summer. In my Mm. mind at that time was like, if you miss a Pittsburgh summer, then you're missing everything that there is in the world, you know? Oh, so I think until I was 21 or something, I was doing that bounce West coast to Pittsburgh. But then, um, around this time is when Jake Johnson had moved to Pittsburgh and me and him and my Pittsburgh crew were skating every day. Super tough. You know, we'd been hanging out so tough and had built such like a close friendship. And, uh, he was like, if you could ride for any company, what would it be? And I was like, I don't really know. Like that never really mattered too much to me. And I don't feel like I would fit in too well anywhere anyways, you know? Mm. And so he invited me on an alien trip with like Joe Brooke, Jason Dill, Jake, Kevin Turpening. We went down to Atlanta to link up with Grant and like, who was the filmer? Benny. Uh I want to say, I hope I said his name right. But like, those guys were so fucking cool to me, man. And like, I got a bunch of footy on that trip and Dill just like blew my mind. I was like starstruck, but tripped out and just like, holy fuck, this guy's brain is like a thousand miles a minute. Like I thought <laughs> I was going fast. He's like, he's a mega trip. Yeah. And uh, he, he kind of schooled me through some cool shit. Cause like I had got a sequence on that trip that was in the last print of slap. It was like the contents page. And I was just so like on edge this whole trip. Just like, fuck, they're like, feels like they're trying me out, but I don't even know what this is. It feels so like, ah, oh, it's just like angsty. And he's like, Austin, just fucking calm down, dude. Like, <laughs> you're here to fucking skate with us. Like, it's all good. And that really fucking resonated with me. And I was just like, all right, sick. We're just here to skate. So, that was the last trip of their green alien workshop van. If you remember that thing, mm-hmm. we were just driving down the highway one night and on the way to like Atlanta or Asheville, North Carolina and boom. And the thing just bounces. And it was like the transmission blowing out from underneath it. Mm. So I was in the last 
hoorah of that green alien van. And it was so cool, man, just like Terps. And then we picked up Grant from some bowling alley or some bar. And we met Thomas and went to the house and skated Atlanta. And fuck, man, that was an awesome trip. But it, but it didn't even work out that like they wanted me or I wanted, you know, it was just, I think it was more like a homey thing. Like, oh, Austin's ripping in Pittsburgh, skating with Jake. Let's bring him on the trip. Okay. Huh. Yeah, so that was a cool one too. I'm glad that we touched on because yeah, I dude. Fucking, I've been so stoked on Dill ever since then. And anytime we see each other, it's all just like gratitude, you know. Homies. Yeah, he's a cool dude. He's crazy, like uh, kind of like Jake was, where his mind, especially with a little coffee, it's just it's insane how just yeah. like rapid fire shit's going. But he has connection to Pittsburgh as well. I think that's where his grandmother was from. Oh, okay. So we had some camaraderie there too, you know? Huh. Yeah. Well, so, dude, I was just like, I felt like, you know, my whole life going through skating, I had just been around and with so many fucking like influential people that I had already felt content with, you know, where I was at, not even being anything in skating. I was like, it don't even matter to me because. Mm -hmm. I get to roll with all the sickest and people that I've and everyone's looked up to. So I was just like, this is cool. I'll just ride and skate. That's all. And then what happens? Well, how do you get, how does the board sponsor come along? So then Jake, after that alien trip, um, <clears throat> at this point I'm working at the campus deli, which is just some fucking deli out there. And, me and a couple skate homies had worked there together and I was like the delivery guy and uh, you would get your delivery orders and they would print out on a paper. You'd get the address. You'd see what they paid. You'd see what they would tip. And you'd be like, what your ass tip like 17 cents. <laughs> but one, I'm in no rush to get this to you. Yeah. And two, I'm just leaving this shit on your doorknob and I'm not even going to knock on your fucking door or even like, yeah, we never did anything crazy, but like we would totally like eat their French fries and like <laughs> give them the order without the French fries, never anything like too gross or anything. But so Jake and them um, are in town and he's like, dude, I'm going to go out to San Francisco and I want to buy you a ticket and you could come and film with me. And I'm going to stay with uh, Ryan Garchelle. And mm. I was like, I was like, dude, I am not going to say no to a plane ticket to San Francisco when I'm here in Pittsburgh working this shitty ass job. Like, I would love to. Thank you. So Jake bought me a ticket to SF. And uh, from there, we're just filming with Ryan. And a couple of Pittsburgh friends had come with as well. And we're all just staying in the Tenderloin at the same house. And that was crazy. I had seen so much crazy shit out of that front door on Eddie Street that I was just like, at a young age, I was 21. I just thought it was so fucking such a cool place. Like, I'm like, you got to move fast or else you're going to get fucked up around here. Yeah. And, but it was super productive too. Like, I got tons of footage. And uh, at that point, I had met Paula one night on 16th street. So I'd met this girl and I was just like, what SF is so sick. And I met, where'd you kid. meet her at delirium or something? Yeah. Or? Delirium. Yes. 
yeah so we met at delirium and we were making out on the side of the bar and me and my buddy drew were hanging out and uh we were with one of her other friends and we were like what's up where are you girls going tonight like can we roll with and they're like oh yeah we're going back to her mom's house like right down the street this and that so we're like what this is fucking on and uh we walked them all the way back wasted like we could have stayed and party but we're like nah this is fucking this rules get back there and they're like all right thanks for the walk good night like shut the door and we were like oh burn like they got us but we're like fuck it we walked them home you know uh-huh. and uh but that that began like me and paula's whole relationship together and at this point i was still migrating back to the east coast in the summer okay and uh but then one night um it around this whole time that i'm kicking it in the bay i'm kicking it at ryan's in the city but i had all my friends in oakland and the compound was still going then with the ramp and so like at that point um mo lived there shout out lock lived there fucking naga ken nagahara lived there harry lived there i would stay at the compound when i wasn't staying in sf so all the oakland squad and i had met like squirrel and d and a lot of those guys in san diego like they had come down maybe on an ergo phobia trip or whatever that clothing company was uh-huh. But, but they were always putting in my ear like anti-hero anti-hero and i was just like dude that's so far from being an attainable thing like i don't even think that's possible but to way backtrack hewitt had given me three pink anti-hero boards like it was this beachy pink graphic in san diego because i was he was really good friends with ivory and me and ivory were very close too we uh-huh. lived in ivory's basement for a long time and uh even Ivory had mentioned, like, dude, like, you got this fucking, like, you're just amped. Like, I could see you riding Franta here. And I even thought then, like, that's such a crazy thought. Like, never in a million years, you know? Like, that would be the, the farthest from a company that I could ride for. And Hewitt gave me those three boards. And even then, I was like, this is so cool. Like, I got some anti-hero boards from Peter fucking Hewitt. But I never thought it would be, like, anything where I would be today. Right. But then we're skating Double Rock one evening and uh, our like three hour session had turned into all the anti-hero team had come through for like a Friday night drive by, which became a, an edit, whatever, you know, like yeah, a Double Rock edit. Uh-huh. And I had known body at this point just from like not skating, but maybe like just lurking around 16th Street, you know? Yeah. And Gut was there and Gut I had no Gut. Yeah. Gut and Bot. I had met them and they were cool to me. Like they were trying to heckle me a little bit, but I was just like, I know you guys type. Like I grew up with fuckers like you my whole <laughs> life. Like good luck, you know? <laughs> but then I think Andy had just got out of prison at this point too. And he was on fire. Like he was super stoked. Dog Boy was there. Oh, Alden was there. Frank was there. Tony Vitello was there. And mind you, Tony Vitello has always been so fucking like nice and cool to me that I just always felt like so comfortable around the mag, which, you know, I had heard people, you know, would kind of get maybe not that treatment. So I was just like, everything felt so family style, like all the homies, all this and that. And uh, ended up all my buddies that I was skating in the park with before anti-hero guys had showed up, had all left and they were like, all right, Austin, we'll see you later. Like have fun. Skated with everyone. 
And I think that kind of initiated my, uh, like, maybe getting on their radar a little more. Because I had been friends with Timo, too. Like, just going to Oakland and meeting these guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Antihero, a, a box never came in the mail until after we had built the Detroit skate park, which is all around the same time, like 20. Because oh. it is the 10-year anniversary of that this summer. So that was about 10 years ago that we built that. Wow. I know. Um, so that was 2012? Yeah, I want to say it was 2012. Okay. I would have been 22 at that point, but it's a, we're in a one to two year time frame that we're real close to getting this thing. Yeah. Dialed in. So and, you're uh, out there in Detroit working on that DIY with uh, Pat Lana and uh, who? 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 I know. So it was Snowman, Pat Lana, Harry, Timo, Bino. Preston came out with us. Joe Brooke was out there. Mm. Um, fuck, I'm going to feel bad if I forget anyone because Lauren Stalker was out there, like, documenting, taking photos. Oh, wow. Oh, man, I'm sure I'm forgetting people. But, uh, but yeah, so so that Detroit park happened as, like, as winter was ending in San Francisco. And that was, like, the pivotal SF trip where it all kind of started to click, like, I had met Jake and Jake was being fucking cool to me. And I'd met Andy and Rainy was staying out there at Andy's and all this and that. But I go back to Pittsburgh again for the summer. And uh, those guys, I caught wind that they were building that park in Detroit. So mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine, Lunchbox. I'm like, yo, give me a lift out to Detroit. We can hang with these guys for the night. You guys could drop me off. And so they drove me from Pittsburgh to Detroit, dropped me off at the park, and I wasn't even getting paid. I was just volunteer. So we were like, me and Harry were saving all the beer cans, taking them down to the liquor store, recycling them for little food scraps and beer, and just like piggybacking off the whole crew because Pat was making money, Moe's making money, Bino was making money. And we were just like, well, sweet. We don't got fucking shit. We're like sleeping in a tent in the backyard of this abandoned house. You guys all got a house. Like, just break us off with your fucking scraps, you know? And uh, and we got promised, like, maybe you'll get some money on the back end of it. And we were just like, we ain't getting shit. Who cares? <laughs> like, we're out here. Let's just enjoy this and live it up, you know? Did you guys get fucked with it all? It's, it's gnarly out there. Yeah, so we were in where that skate park is, is like a little Bangladeshian neighborhood. Yeah. And across the, there's the skate park and then the road. And across the road is like, it gets a little more hood. But no, we never got rousted once. I mean, if you're sleeping in a tent in the backyard of an abandoned building, people probably don't want much to do with you. Let alone, we had befriended the neighbors big time, Boo and Betty, this older couple who you might have met. Um, yeah she passed when we huh? were out there and they were just so fucking cool to us man they just like would bring us breakfast in the morning and bring us their five o'clock gin was the name of this like the cheapest gin you could buy so we partied yeah. with them tough and we we kicked it with them and loped out with them tough so we never had any issues out there though you were like yeah if you act a fucking fool you're probably gonna get checked you know 
Yeah, I remember it was, uh, probably a year, maybe not even a year. It was like w- the skate rock trip. We went out there after you guys built it. And the first night we just went straight to the, it was like nighttime. I forget, like 11, probably 11-ish at night. We go straight to the DIY. We go straight into Betty's. Fucking Pat's like, we're here. And they're yeah. just drinking and partying yeah. and just having the best time. And Yeah. And they're like, welcome. We missed you guys. Like, yeah, it was where sick, you been for man. the last two years or whatever it was? Provoking the stoke. And then remember that also that spot. I don't know if you were with it. I'm pretty sure you were with us. We went to these banks and uh, like got, got a couple of clips. There was like a bank to wall and like. A, yeah, the school like, that had all the crazy cobblestone or not. No, it was like a that. loading dock place. Huh. And Ben Rayborn was with us, too. And and he did some. But yeah, he got knocked out at the. Uh, that, at, the LIA, yeah, right? that was the, the, later. But uh, we were skating oh, there. I think I, I might have missed a few days of that, but I did eventually tag in well we were skating there and the cops came up and they're like hey they see you they (laughs) will see you you guys shouldn't be here like it was basically like get out of here you guys are crazy with those cameras and everything and we're like all right we'll wrap it up you know we had a pretty good squad we had probably 15 guys so we're just like all right we're just gonna get a couple more clips and then we're out of here but i just remember going like this is a different, you know, yeah. not too many cities where the cops come and tell you just like, you know, like, what are you guys doing? I know, like, fucking, you guys are in the wrong neck of the woods style. So was that, a, were you on Antihero when the skate rock happened? Uh, yeah, so after we had built that DIY in Detroit, um, Mo and Bino and... Maybe it was just Mo. Maybe it was Mo and Bino both, but they were like, hey, what's up, dude? Like, we just talked to Julian, and are you down to be, like, the next flow guy on Antihero? And I was like, for sure. Like, 100%, you know? I'll throw the Santa Cruz fucking board in the river. Like, You're going to have go. to get rid of OJ, get rid of Santa Cruz. You yeah, can't wear so, creature green anymore. <laughs> so at that point, Cranny had already got phased out of OJ. So I was already kind of like, fucking this sucks cranny was my guy like i don't even know if i want to keep doing that anyways and i had never got invited on any santa cruz trips and i knew that it was kind of like a disposable ship over there you know like you could kind of be let go and whatever whatever so when i caught wind of you know being able to ride for anti-hero yeah fuck yeah i'd rather be flow for anti-hero than for anything else so and i got spitfires in that box too so i was like all right maybe that means that i get to ride spitfires too Mm. and i think i had bummed out like jordan tabioyan at that point and maybe even whoever else because i had left a couple texts and like couldn't really get a response because i was like hey i think i got this rad opportunity and i want to follow it like it's just my path like no hard feelings thank you for everything and long story short maybe they were bummed i'm really good friends with jordan to this day like he shot that last anti-hero ad at the right. with yeah. kids so we're still brothers you know and he got phased out and i would have got phased out eventually so then after detroit i get that first anti-hero deluxe box 
to my dad's house in Aliquippa and I was just like, wow. And it was a split box for me and Harry too. So that was kind of like Harry had the opportunity to fucking chomp it too and get down. But that was the point that I knew I was like, all right, stop fucking around. Like it's time to kick it into high gear and like go after the shit. Like you've always you know, I've always been so hungry and loved skating and just loved getting down. So that was just one more reason to fucking just go haywire and really want to take it more serious than I had for the last six years of my later teenage, early 20s life. Just, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so did you, had you, had you met Julian yet? No. And there was like talk of him and Andy maybe coming out to check out the park, but they never had. But also a little before this Detroit thing happened, I go back to Pittsburgh and uh, the action guys are coming through town and things at action had started to change too. And it started to get like cornier and weirder. And I was just like, this fucking isn't my cup of tea either. And they came through town and I was down at the river fishing like with some friends drinking beers fishing and mm. uh and they're like what's up are you hopping in the van we're leaving on tour and i was just like nope i think i'm gonna stay back and i remember playing brandstetter pulled me aside and was like what you gonna end up like all these other burnouts in pittsburgh like fuck that that's fucking weak if you do that i was like dude it's just what i feel is right for me and so me and him had hard feelings towards each other too for a little while, which we've totally squashed. We're like brothers to the end now, but that was his, he was TM and he wanted me to be there with them. And I just had kind of wanted to stay back in Pittsburgh and film. I didn't want to go on this trip and I really didn't want to ride for action anymore at that point either. But Uh that was my first paid sponsor. I was getting like $250 a month. Oh shit. And so they were like, that's fucking whack. But then shortly after, Greg, the owner of One Up, had got in touch with Ryan DeWitt, who was at Vans at the time. Check out my fucking little homie Austin's footy. Like, he wants to ride for Vans, which I didn't like ever vocalize that to Greg. I just would get Vans from the shop. Uh-huh. And then DeWitt started sending me Vans when I was about 21, 22. Oh, sick. Yeah. And you've been getting them ever since? Ever since, yeah. Oh, dude, that's rad. So I'm almost on like a 10-year band's anniversary. Yeah, that rules. So that was cool. And then uh, I had jumped ships from NHS, started getting the anti-hero stuff, and I was talking, calling, texting. We were even postcarding me and Paula. And she was going on a trip to Central America, and I was burning out in Pittsburgh. It was starting to get cold. And I got a job opportunity out in North Dakota to do some concrete work. And I had got a little concrete experience from the Oakland guys. And then from that Detroit trip. Mm. So I decided, all right, I'll take the Amtrak from Pittsburgh to North Dakota and capitalize on a little work. So I did that. And then it got too cold to work out there anymore. And DeWitt was like, yo, do you want to come to tampa am i'll buy you a ticket i was like i would love to we're about to get out of north dakota we're i'm gonna drive with these workers to bend oregon like can you get me a ticket from bend to tampa he's like yeah where do you want to return to 
And I was like, well, fuck, it's cold on the East Coast. Like, send my ticket back to SF. I'll figure it out. Mm. And so DeWitt got me a ticket from Oregon to Tampa. I totally blew it. I suck at contests. And I think when it was my turn to have a run, I had just like Houdini'd because I couldn't <laughs> even face the contest realm and hit yeah. up some homies at the gas station. Like, fuck, I just got a ticket from Vans to skate this contest. And I'm like hiding at the gas station. I suck, you know, they're like, whatever. But that trip ended up being like, cool. I met Rainy. I met Ronnie. I had reconnected with John Alden. Mm. And it was like, they're like, what are you guys, what are you doing after this? I was like, I got to take it back to SF. And so back to SF and uh, yeah, Creston was living out there at the time. And, and meanwhile, Preston and I had already been together on OJ trips back on yeah. the East Coast, like visiting Freddie. I met Fred Gall, me and Cranny and P-Stone doing the Jersey, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, fucking whirlwind with Frex and Danny DeCola. And like, it was just it's such a fucking, such an awesome time, dude. Yeah. And oh. so I had already had this connection with P-Stone too, because that whole OJ trip in New York. And I was like, guys, we got to go to Pittsburgh. Like I live in this three story fucking BMXers house. He's the last BMXer left. It's all skaters. Now we're the fucking, we called it the pirate ship because it was just really was like a pirate ship, you know? And there was literal, like we had some friends over and our friends, girlfriends, and we're upstairs in this top floor. Cause I think at that point, the BMXer was in the basement. Three skaters were on the top floor. The middle floor was just like ransacked. Wow. Holes in the wall, party zone. And uh, we're up there doing whatever on the top floor, maybe playing video games, something. And we just hear this girl in the middle floor screaming. I'm like, oh, fuck. We run downstairs. We're like, what? He's like, look at that kitchen. And there's like a six foot snake coming out of the wall. Whoa huge giant fucking snake <laughs> there's all these holes in the walls we got the snake and we got it outside and Damn. So we we had all these massive oj stickers remember those circle <laughs> ones that were like yeah. that big so we covered up every hole in the house with these stickers but uh one kid had this clear plexiglass and he like put it over the one hole where the snake came out of and dude like people saw snakes crawling through those walls wow and what kind of the lead up of this weird story is, so the OJ trip, we end up in Pittsburgh and P-Stone, of course, being P-Stone, wanted to stay in the dirt cellar of <laughs> the lower, lower basement of this house. And we're like, Stone, there's like carpeted zones and like nope. 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 He was setting nope. up shop. I got my spot. He was setting up shop in the fucking dirt cellar. And he woke up the next morning. And he's like, hey. Cam man, check this out. And I'm like, what? What's up, Stone? And he's like, Shh. and he has a rattle, a tail, dried up <laughs> rattlesnake tail. I still have it in a Tupperware at my dad's house back in Pittsburgh. He's like, found this in the basement. And we were like, <laughs> dude, there's not rattlesnakes in fucking Pittsburgh. But lo and behold, there is like some breed that, you know, lives around these hilly areas of oh. Pittsburgh. But leave it to Preston. <laughs> To find the rattler. <laughs> I, I remember was that so, trip. I was so proud of him. I told everyone I knew about that shit. Like, Peace Stone stayed in our basement and found the dried up tail of a fucking rattlesnake. 
He loved remember? Pittsburgh. I remember after that trick when he came back, he's like, "We got to get back to Pittsburgh." Uh, yeah, I, don't, dude, so. I don't know what we're how we're gonna do it, but I gotta get back there. Yeah, man, he gave us so much love, and he really was the one who excelled my ass farther into like getting in with you guys at Thrasher and getting the foot in the door at Deluxe. Like, mm. you know, you can do as much as you can yourself as a skater, but he was just every morning wanted to pick me up and skate, you know? Well, you're the perfect guy for Preston. I mean, like you're up early and you're ready to go. That's the kind of people you, you know, you, you don't want like Preston's not waiting until noon, you know, like no. if you're sleeping until noon and you're hung over and there's a chance you're going to skate like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. We Campus were on ready at seven. I got a coffee. We're going to pick up a little quick bite and then we're hitting about four spots in the avenues. We're going to take it over to uh, Crocker and meet up with the gut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we're going to swing into the mission, grab Jordy and the bod and fucking yeah. Daphne Noah. We're going to get blueberries at fucking 500 by around six. <laughs> and we got this little spot around the corner that has the best burritos in the city. Like, oh, you <laughs> out of your mind. <laughs> Totally, dude. And gut at that time had been in between grind line jobs. And that's what it was every morning. P-Stone and gut would pick me up. We'd go to Rosamundi or whatever. Rosamund. Rosamund. And we'd yeah. get a fucking, we'd get a PBR and a brat. And then we would skate all day. And uh, so we had done that all winter. And I'm back in Pittsburgh again for a summer. And I think Paula had tagged along with me this time and we might have had even got a little apartment as well. And and I'm at the skate shop and some anti-hero Blu-ray edit comes up and boom, lo and behold, there's like all this footage of me. And I was like, what the fuck? And my Pittsburgh homies were like, what the fuck? And that was kind of like, uh-oh, I better take it more serious. Like they're, <laughs> they're kind of down for me, I think, you know? <laughs> I didn't even know we were filming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just was like, because my homie Rob was like, what, Rob the filmer back in Pittsburgh, what the fuck have you been up to? And I'm like, dude, we're just like, loked out at Potrero. So tough, dude. I was like, we're just little skate park rats again, like little kids down here. Mm. That's where I would go every single day. And uh, lo and behold, that video comes out and we had a bunch of street footy and Rob was like, what? You told me you were just at the park all fucking day. I'm like, I guess we weren't like, I guess we did wander out and hit the streets, you know? Yeah. That's sick. Can we do a pee break again, Schmidt? Yeah, I'm going to do one too. Absolutely. All right. Must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, how soon did how soon did you learn not to say the word what? Oh my God! Stone got me with that until his last days. Dude. Really did. I just was always so like, just kind of amazed by Preston, and just also kind of like studying him. Just like such a character, you know. Like I almost, I mean, I was always on his level, but I was never on his level of just. He was always a few steps ahead of me with his wit and his humor. <laughs> His attitude rubbed off on a lot of people, though. I, I see it today, and at first I was like, I don't know. I get weird with dead people, so I just get bummed sometimes. But uh, Totally, I know. I, I see, like, people emulating Preston, and I feel like it's like – but then I – you know, now 
like time's gone by and wounds have healed and all that. I feel so blessed because it's like, no, these dudes took this dude that was a rad dude and took this good element of him and are incorporating it into their life. They're trying not to complain. They're always working. They're always pushing themselves to make life better. You know, all those things that Preston would do. And it's just like, it's really inspiring to just be like, I'm not, no, you do, you know, kind of like give you whatever, like you take shotgun. I don't want it. You know? Yeah. Like I'll sit in the middle. I don't care. Like that attitude and stuff. And just like I'm up early and I'm doing your dishes and I'm up late and we're laughing and drinking beers. Yeah. He was always so fucking hospitable, man. Like he could have his last anything on earth and it's yours before his, you know? Yeah. It's, it's amazing that we all were fortunate to have the time that we did with the guy. I know, man. And I didn't feel like I had much, you know, but I have my little, window of time and yeah i hold him dear dude Fuck, we, we had do. some we had some hilarious times some fucking wild times some all sorts of shit man and uh yeah i don't know dude when he was um i was able to tell him you know we're pregnant with ozzy and he was like fucking diaper bash at the skate park we're doing this like because he, <laughs> he had been in pittsburgh when henry panza had his diaper bash at the print shop warehouse ramp. And he was just so, he was so stoked that he went to a diaper bash in Pittsburgh with Henry. Like he couldn't stop telling me about it, man. And at that time I had been West, you know, so I missed it, but I felt like I sure was there with the stories I heard from Preston. Man. I remember when Oscar was born Preston's first child and we all went to the hospital and met Anna and the, Oh man, I mean the guy, he just was the perfect guy for that role. Yeah. Because you know, it's hard work. It ain't all easy having a kid. No, it's and, fucking and Preston scary, would bro. come it's... home late at night and get woke up early by Oscar jumping on him. He'd be like, Yeah, ah, little man had me up at four, didn't sleep that much, <laughs> but he's just laughing, loving it. It was just I know. it's just the greatest. I mean, I I am so fortunate to have so many miles with that guy and so many like experiences where, like you said, you just kind of like take it in. Like I knew that like he was the show, like he wanted to be the show. That's what me and Craddy would always say is like, don't ever tell Preston anything because he needs to be the guy like that tells like, hey, Preston, I think there's a burrito. You you think I don't know about the burrito spot? We're going to the cheesesteak spot, Schmitty. We, <laughs> yeah. we don't have time for that one this time. Are you out of your mind? So, I mean, we could talk about him forever. One thing I did want to bring up, though, was uh, that ski rock trip from Detroit to New Orleans or whatever. Yeah. You were in the back of our car. Right? Yeah. You were in the, the Timo van with me and Joe Brooke and Gut and uh, Fatty. Yep. Julian, then- that was actually like my first okay so to backtrack a bit i think i had met julian maybe in passing in san francisco and you know probably rocking some anti-hero gear and introduce myself like dude i'm austin thank you for fucking hooking me up with some shit like dude stoked to meet you you know Mm. and uh but then he got a he gave me a call hey um do you want to come on the skate rock trip with us and 
I was like, fuck, all right, let's do it, you know? And I think I had to fly in, and uh, I don't know what it was. We met in Detroit. I might have been able to skate in Detroit. And then at Herman's Hole, either Andy or Baca, and those are both my homies, so no grudges anymore. But <laughs> I thought it was Grant. Or Grant. Yeah, I don't know, but whoever it was, someone I had a pair of black dickies on and someone lit some firecrackers off, stuffed them in my back pocket, and uh dude, my pants melted, singed to my legs, my ball sack was swollen, my thighs were swollen, I couldn't walk. I was like serious burn victim to the back of my thigh. Couldn't do anything that whole trip. Couldn't even walk, you know? Yeah. Let alone sit in a van. So <laughs> That was all, I think I was in like traumatic fucking pain from all that and just, you know, coping it with the beers and right. just kind of got myself, got myself through that. And that one sucked, man. That ended up being a lot of my first, maybe like my first four or five trips with anti-hero was either blown out from skating or like something like that happened. But all my initial trips were like, damn, we're bringing this guy and he's like, can't skate. Ah, uh, I've never been a great trip skater, you know. Mm. I'm I'm a little more spontaneous, and I think I my shit in the tank is on reserves until it's ready to fucking unleash, and that's how I that's how I get down comfortably. Like I could I could get through trips and get shit, but I'm more productive on my own times. I think. Yeah, you get to pick and choose what you do. I mean the uh, the Pittsburgh trip. Well, I guess that's kind of your zone, but like you got a bunch of shit on that one, right? Man, I don't even know that I did. I definitely had a blast with everyone. And, but you definitely you know, had a bunch of clips and Preston's videos. I probably did because I really got down with P-Stone. Like I felt no, you know, I didn't feel no, any no stress. No stress with Stone. I was just like, he's as easy as filming with a childhood friend, you know? Stone, let's get this. All right, easy. So- but that's totally a few of my first anti-hero trips. I was like, sweet, definitely oh. getting kicked off. Blew it on this one, you know. <laughs> and then is that kind of around the time you tried the fucking uh, Ollie, the 180 over the... The Westgate, yeah. Ollie. Yeah. So I'm trying to think, like, Skate Rock goes and that happens. And at that point, Paula and I had lived in san francisco beforehand in her aunt's place down by the stadiums kind of where you are oh and she had rented there for fucking years and years lifelong sf native you know so we just got like a spare room in the house we tried to set up shop and but i've always had to work full time you know like ever ever since my california days had begun just because it is a little more expensive out here so it was hard for me to manage like skating, partying, working because you work, work, work. And then by the time you're done working, you want to party. But then skating is the weekends and your free time is like sparse, sparse, minimal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that 180 came along around a time that. Uh, so so we've done pretty good with this timeline so far, I do think. Mm -hmm. But it, it does get a little blurry after skate rock for a little bit. So I think I get a little more officially, you know, I'm kind of up from like flow to you can go to deluxe and get flowed gear like 
and say what's up to Mickey and the guys. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. And I just thought it was so cool, man. Meeting Jim and John and Mick and Julian, seeing them all in their workspace. I was just like, this is so like what a what a brotherhood, what a family, you know. Like I hope I could stick with these guys. Like I feel like I found a home. Right. And then the 180 came along just I don't know, around that same time, I had just been working for CLP, which is California labor pool. So you, you go into this place, you take a P test or maybe you don't, but you get your name on the list and they just hit you up when any companies, whoever that has affiliation with CLP needs workers. So I was getting on jobs in the Marina kind of all throughout the city. And Bino had told me about this. Bino was like, what? You're hurting for work? Do CLP. I'm doing CLP. And I was like, all right, I'll sign up with CLP. Uh-huh. So I got on the California labor pool and I was getting some workflow. And then Bino was like, hey, I'm doing a park in Watsonville. You want to fuck off CLP and like come work on a skate park with me? And I had already had a little skate park experience at this point. Um, Detroit. I worked on a grind line park in Pittsburgh with little Eddie. Mm-hmm. shout out to crazy little eddie shout out <laughs> and then bino pulled me into the watsonville park and we would carpool together from the city and uh he was uh, living on Folsom at the time and stone was frequenting and don was starting to come through sf and like this the skating hype in our little zone right there was like super tough it was we were just work was that work was work, but we would skate every day. And, uh, so we worked on the Watsonville park together and, uh, that kind of like initiated the surf hype, but the one eighty. sorry to sidetrack the one eighty was around this time. And when I was working for CLP, a company had me doing a job up that hill. So I would walk past that thing that I tried to 180 every day. P-Stone oh. and Joe Brooke had taken us there a few times with like me and Rainey and whatever the squad was. And I always remember me and Rainey would talk about it like, damn, this is like not that big. Like you got all the hill for the run up and looks like you could just jump it, you know. And then I tried it and it was fucking giant. And got pretty <laughs> much destroyed and couldn't ride away and but fuck, I wanted that. I still do I, want it. You they were close. Spot. They've totally modified it. They put yeah. like little bumps in front of the runway <laughs> and then they put the fence like little obstacles. Huh. Yeah. So you guys would drive down to Watsonville down the coast and you would look at the waves all the time going there and back and then kind of got inspired to try to like start surfing, right? Yeah, to avoid traffic, we would take the coastline home. And we were working with Tim Trudell, who's the beer beagle. He's like an original grind line dude, I think. And uh, mm. just an all-around fucking such a sick-ass dude, you know. And he was like a lifelong surfer growing up Southern California. And me and Bino were mm. always fucking surf talk dude fucking get out there get some yeah and tim's like all right well i got boards you guys want to go and we're like fuck we don't got wetsuits like what do we do you know and we got wetsuits and this and that and tim was like oh, i'll take you guys to pleasure point he's all it's the fucking sickest right hander and so he got us going on pleasure point and 
paddled out there and got swept away by the current. Didn't get any waves, but we huh. were kind of like, I don't know. For me, at least, I was like, oh, it's so on for surfing. <laughs> I really, like, I just found something else I could tweak out on, like, skating, you know? Yeah. And especially because we would drive the coast home, and little did we know, like, winter time and these monster fucking swells in the season like and i would see shit that you know shit i only thought i had like dreamed of or would see like hawaii like crazy you know i didn't think like what norcal has it like that and i was like just me being who i am i just wanted to try to harness some of that too because i've always been in the ocean since i was a little baby so i was like comfortable with the water and Mm-hmm. had been in big surf as a little kid and sucked out in rip currents with my cousin Andrea. And we were like, Oh my God, we almost drowned. We fucking barely made it, you know? Yeah. Shit. Um, so that's... Watsonville did spark the surf fight building that park. Yeah. Cause you, then you got a little crew like it was you and uh, Albino and maybe a couple other people started kind of going surfing regularly you probably saw Chico out there once. Maybe you see Jordy, like these guys. And then yeah, kinda, is that kind of how it all like formed? Well, so then I, at some point throughout this whole timeline that maybe skewed a little bit, I had torn my other ACL. Oh yeah. And what had happened with that one was like, I think I was skating the bowl at Petrero and I finally had did a line in the deep end going side to side where like, I had done like three airs, like pumping airs, you know, almost like a vert ramp style. Uh-huh. Like I think I did a big front side air and then an indie, and then maybe I bailed a backside ollie, but I had like maybe two walls where I was like, fuck, I think I just like tapped into the swing set feeling. Bailed this backside ollie, boom, my knee pops. And I'm mm. like, fuck, that sucked, you know. Went home, hobbled home seriously hobbled home like probably almost in tears just like god damn it i fucking did it to my other leg here goes nine months of my life you know but i don't get it checked out for a month and i go to work and it's super unstable at work and had been out at a bar and it totally popped and went on me and uh a month or two later back at the trail going for a frontside flip up the euro gap my left knee just folds like super super folds felt it all rip pop tear so maybe the first time around was a partial tear this time it was like a hundred percent so i tore it and uh you know jake the old man was always at the park and he just seen me fucking hobbling like one legged outside and yeah he he was just like foosh i was like fuck and he knew then too and i knew too and he was just like i love you and I just like went on my way. Tore that one, got the surgery. And uh, so the one I tore in San Diego healed up great. It's been solid ever since. That one that I tore at Petrero has been just like a janky knee ever since. And uh, I think it may have been around that time of recovering, you know, that I tried the 180 when I was back to street skating and I was just had that fire. Of, uh-huh. Been hurt for so long, but I want to like, prove to myself that i could still fucking get down right so probably tried the 180 also got into surfing at the same time just because it was a great 
outlet for my ass when I was too sore from skating to like, oh, I could still go scare myself in the ocean. But yeah, but also like seeing Chico, I really connected with Chico at Potrero just because he was getting over an ACL reconstruction and me and him were just like, and that was another one, like what? I'm going to be hanging out with Chico one day in my life, like <laughs> DVS video, fucking all these old girl videos. Like I've looked up this dude ever since I've started skating and, uh, mm-hmm. and then we became friends through rapping about our knee injuries and just skating together. And then, yeah, that evolves to surfing together. And same with Ducky. Shout out. I became super close with Ducky on some Vans trips and he had fucked up knee surgeries that he recovered from. And Jordy, I had known through um, just being at the park and him being an SF head, you know? Yeah. And then it turned out Santi surfs, Julian surfs, like all my most of my friends that I skate with were surfers too, you know? How'd you guys meet the beer man? So I met the beer man through Godo. Ah, Godo. Shout out. And Godo and I had been friends through Potrero, but we had, he had Johanna. I had Ozzy around the same time. And uh, Ozzy was such a hard kid when he was younger. And I had no one to relate to, you know, no one that was a parent. I'd never been around kids, didn't know fucking kids. Didn't know anyone that was a parent, but Goto was a parent and his daughter was so mellow and so chill and Ozzy was so wild. So I would hang with Goto all the time and we surfed together. And one day surfing, he's like, you got to meet my friend, Chris Bierman. He's a plumber and uh, he's just getting back from a road trip. Like I got you guys, I bet you'd be homies. Hmm. And so we introduced ourselves out in the water at OB one day and I was just like, dude, I'm a construction guy too. You know, I work for companies, but I want to do my own shit. And uh, yeah, we just clicked. Me and Chris clicked like right away, super tough. And uh, yeah, it ended up turning out that he's like one of the gnarliest surfers around Ocean Beach that there is. Like he'll charge the triple overhead days when there's really not anyone else out and he's going out there with a smile confident you know it's just <laughs> like man, that's that's some shit so he's brought me and you know got me into some pretty big waves and big days and he's helped boost my confidence and yeah, yeah i love surfing oh, i don't i don't love surfing as much as i love skating because skating is like that never-ending fucking fountain of youth fun realm of just like it is what it is surfing is still a challenge you know yeah but i like i like surfing little waves i like surfing big double overhead ocean beach so i can attribute that to chris and goto for sure (laughs) it's been cool doing the um yam patrol with you guys like going out and filming you guys surf it's like I was telling my wife, like, I go out there and the the sun's not even up yet and everybody's got their coffees and they're just stoked. They're sitting there like, dude, we can't see anything, but I think it's going to be good. Like, it's just that period. It's a good way to start the day, man. Huge. Yeah. It's so fucking fun having you out there, Smitty. I love it. It's like six to eight and then eight, you start your day and you're like, dude, I already did like two hours of like, a rad day totally yeah and it's like you know we don't ever get fucking 
who's going to film us surfing? So to have you and you're like, dude, I'm down to get up. I'm down to film. Like, I just want to hang with you guys. It's hey. fucking really cool. So thank you for filming us. Because if you that told you're surfing to see yourself. Yeah. It can really like school you on. Oh, I mean, I, I'm blowing I, it here. I could be there. I've been learning shit just watching the footage back, like in like seeing like how the waves are caught and all that stuff. But uh, I was going to say, if you told me that I was going to film a a surf clip that was going to make it into an anti-hero video, I wouldn't have believed it. (laughs) I know. If you ever told me that I was going to be catching waves and in an anti-hero video, I wouldn't have believed it either myself. Oh man. Well, um, We've taken a lot of your time, but I do want to like get to like the pl- present. Like you've had an insane couple of years here with the uh, out there with Rye, the yeah. um, the the cover right here, which I I got right here. Dude, thank you, thank um, you, uh, Thrasher, Burnett, Tony, everyone. How did that go Brand. down? That's up by you, right? You seen that spot and you told Bram like you got a photo spot for him or something? Yeah, that's in Napa. And uh, I had caught wind from a friend that I work with, my buddy Andrew Cole, Dave Cole's little brother. He's like, you know about that yellow full pipe by Home Depot? And I'm like, I lived here for fucking two and a half years and you never told me about this thing? Like, <laughs> show me right now. He's all, I don't think it's skatable. There's like strip of metal at the bottom. You'd have to like, figure out how to remove that and i was like put a fucking giant sign there you shitting me so i go and look at it and i'm like holy shit this thing is so big and rad and it's only a tiny strip of metal i'm like we got a sign for that so yeah. i sent bram a text photo of it and bram was like dude let's go like when can we go and i was like let's go sunday at seven or eight you know in the morning so we go there Sunday, seven or eight in the morning, and we tape the sign down. We try to dry it off. It's real misty because it's all early in the morning. But we were able to dry it enough. We got a photo. And uh, I think he was like, I think he was like, I don't know what's going to happen with it. I think Burnett is like interested in it. But uh, worst case scenario, you know, we got a sick photo for your interview. And I was, cause we had been working on my interview at that time as well. And I was like, right on fucking sweet, whatever. I don't care. Like we got a rap photo, this and that. I get a call a few weeks later, maybe a week or two. He's like, dude, I think Burnett is maybe trying to lay it out, but the way we shot it, you know, I might be too low. You might be too small. We got to go back and reshoot it. I was like, all right, let's go reshoot it. So we go back another Sunday and it's next to the Humane Society Animal Shelter here in Napa. And uh, the sheriff's department is in there as well. And some dude is just really wiling on us. Just like, get the fuck out of here. Cops, sheriff's inside. I'm going to get him right now. Get the fuck out of here. La, la, la. And we're like, God damn it. Like, So we get kicked out. Police are there in that building. We can't skate it. And I'm just like, kind of the wind has deflated out of my sails a little bit you know i'm just like god damn it and then we go to ripping for the the day rip grant and pedro and everyone's up there and uh that was on saturday bram and i had plans to go reshoot that photo on sunday Mm. i fucking popped my knee think i tore my acl again at ripping that day oh 
So I go home that Saturday night and I'm just like, all right, you know, maybe it's not that bad. And I wake up Sunday morning, the day we're supposed to go shoot that photo. I can't walk. My knee is like a basketball, you know? And I was like, man, I tore my ACL again, like round three. Let me just start the process, get the surgery, all this and that. So luckily I've Kaiser, you know, pay a pretty penny for my Kaiser health insurance and, uh, Mm-hmm. get an MRI and the doctor is like, okay, so we don't really see any cartilage in your old bone tunnel since I've had both knees redone. He's like, it looks like you don't have an ACL anymore. And I was like, so what do you mean? Did I tear it or like, do I not have one? He's like, well, it's just hard to tell. And he's like, upon physical examination, he's like, you see that like two inches of play in your knee? He's all, your upper leg shouldn't separate from your lower leg like that. So he's all, you don't really have an ACL. I was all, what about my MCL? Because I kind of bent it a weird way too. And he like does this side to side with my knee. He's all, your knees are fucked, man. Like you have, you need an MCL and an ACL and you have no cartilage on the whole left side of your knee. Like, I wonder why you got knee pain and this and that. I'm like, dude, but hold on. My knee, this left knee has been bad since my last surgery. And he's like, well, did you do all your stuff? Like your rehab? And I was like, no. And I just kind of did. I think I fucked it up shortly after that surgery. And uh, so he's all right. We're going to get you in for an ACL MCL reconstruction in two weeks. So I was like, all right, sign me up. And uh, I talked to Paula and she was like, don't fucking do that. Like you're getting better. You know, a few weeks had passed after ripping and I had been talking to Grant and he's like, I'll hook you up with a physical therapist. And I was talking to my friend, Kyle Brown, who's a physical therapist. Mm. And this is all amongst getting hit up by Burnett and Bram. Like Burnett's looking for that photo. We reshot it. I'm like, dude, I can't skate yet. I'm trying to like figure this out. So I think two months pass and I opt out of getting surgery and I just decided fucking you know, I think those doctors are kind of like just eager to give you surgery. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I was getting by with a janky knee as is. So long story short, don't get the surgery and just kind of self healed myself. And we went back as soon as I could start skating and uh, I couldn't even really pop ollies or kickflips yet, but we got the front side thruster photo. We got probably like 10 or 15 of them and, I was doing the thruster and then a backside turn and a backside turn and launching out of the yellow pipe to ride away and mm. tried a couple back one eighties and I thought it'd be cool to back three out of the thing, but I at least got the thruster and turned around and launched out of the yellow pipe. And then I was in Pittsburgh on a little vans skate John trip. And, uh, yeah, man, Bram sent me the photo day one of the trip and a screenshot of Instagram because I'm not on there. And I was just like pretty floored, man. What was, yeah, what, what did still, you do? It's still a bit surreal to me. Like we have Paula's mom got it framed and kind of like shrink wrapped and I hung it in the kid's room and we put them to bed every night sleeping there and I'll kind of glance at it every couple of days and I'm just like, what? fuck you know never in a million years so that's what's cool about this whole 
skating life experiences. It's a thousand things that you think never in a million years is it possible, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Things you know, end up happening, dude. It's cool. You know what Felper would say right now? Steamer never got one. <laughs> so um, you got the cover. And yeah. that's another thing too. Like, man, I had I spent so much time with Jake yeah. at the skate park, seeing him early mornings on my way to work. Like, I'd be going to work at 5.30. It's dark out. I'd see Jake skating down the fucking street. And I'm like, Jake, what's up? You know? Mm. And just... All that time I spent with him, that even solidified it more like, fuck, I'm never getting a cover. Like, you got to be the gnarliest, the raddest, the fucking illest. Like, I'm just wishing, you know? It's a sick photo, too, though. Like, the whole deal, right? Um, It also kind of is sparking the DIY series. Like, it's right around that same time, right? Yeah, that was around the same time, too, which was because... um, Tony Vitello had reached out to me talking about the double rock rebuild, which which I was a little hesitant to do just because I was kind of spread thin at the time and I didn't want to let anyone down, but I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity, you know, Mm. and my ragtag crew of fucking workers, you know, we're all a bit um, creative minds and, you know, Maybe we're a little too creative at times thinking what we're doing is going to work. And sometimes it doesn't. And that's like the ethos of DIYs. You're only going to learn by fucking up some shit, you know, and doing it wrong to figure out how to do it right. So at the same time that Tony had, you know, thrown me the idea to redo Double Rock, he had mentioned the DIY series. And I was like I said, you know just a bit like fuck i have so much on my plate with kids and with my job and with wanting to skate and surf and like Uh i have a lot of my time blocks are filled up but i was like you know talked it over with some friends and with my lady and she's like you'll be so pissed at yourself if you don't do this you know so there we go we go dive in head first and one we may have nailed one we may have blown and we can only keep trying our best from here. So the skate park, I don't know what happened. It, it is not there anymore. And we only wanted to make it better, but yeah. the DIY series ended up, I mean, I've heard a lot of cool things from like skaters that I wouldn't have thought would have had even watched it, you know, really like friends of mine that are like, man, or like, um, Grant was really into it. I wouldn't have thought that. Nick Basario, Brass, he was really into it. And just tons of people that I was like friends huh. with thought, you know, they wouldn't even take a glance at it, you know, and people yeah. kind of dig it. And that's what we're all about, dude. I've always like looked out for the the kids around me and the youth. And I feel like I've gotten so much from skating in my life that anything else from here that comes my way is kind of like, the cherry on top and I want to send it down to the little kids, you know? Yeah. I got a question for you. I, I don't know if this is easy for you to remember because sometimes it's just in the moment, yeah. but like it doesn't have to be the DIY series. Cause you've done a lot of building outside that too. But in all the time that you're building, there's always a freaking peanut gallery. Right. And like we, we had fun with squirrel that one day and all the little things, 
What's like the funniest shit? Can you remember any shit where it was just like this guy, like the whole day or like the comments or just whatever, or like, ah, dude, you did this wrong. Or just like the guy that's just sitting there, but he's maybe he's not doing much, but he's just got a comment for everything or. Yeah. So I don't know. I can take it all the way back to like my initial construction job back to when I was like 18 in Pittsburgh and, uh, it was my buddy George, rest in peace. He ended up um, committing suicide. He kind of had a, a rough go in the military, but his dad was like just the ultimate heckler. His dad was the foreman on the crew, late 60s, um, just like the baddest carpenter you'd ever met. I'd seen him fall off ladders and come back two days after his surgery and work. But uh, mm. those guys, those guys were ultimate hecklers. So that was always hilarious. Um, and then job site antics. I don't know. I tried to hire all my friends on with this company that I was a foreman for in San Francisco. And that ended up being just like an ultimate fail, you know, mm. don't ever work with your, you can work with your friends, but you're going to learn what that entails, you know? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember Bill, my friend, Bill and my other friend, Matt had to break up one fight, fist fight behind the job. These dudes Damn. are just duking it out. And I'm the foreman. Get the fuck out of here. Like, my ass is on the line if you guys fuck shit up. Fuck right. out of here. Get off this job. I'm working again. Hear all this going on in the front of the job, on the sidewalk. Go out there. They're fist fighting on the sidewalk again. I'm just <laughs> like, seriously, hit the corners and bail right now. But I've worked with so many cool... um like, dude, since I've come to San Francisco, just Salvadorians, Guatemalans, dudes mm. from Mexico, any of the Spanish I've learned in my life, it's from a job site. On and, the job, uh, yeah. And yeah, dude, they're all just such characters in their own right. And uh, That's yeah, what I mean. Can, like, the characters are just... I, I it, it just draws these kind of people. You have to have thick skin because you are going to get heckled. Yeah. But you also have to have wit because you need to have you conversation. Got yeah. You got like long totally. days. And then you also have to be tough and be able to work and like maintain that all, all the time. So it's, yeah. it ain't easy. That's for sure. No, but it uh, out of like, you know, I had worked so many jobs before getting into construction that I had just realized that, uh, like this is definitely the the route that you can make the most money and live the most flexible. And if you want to bounce around the country, you can find work anywhere you go. Yeah. But yeah, to answer that question, I wish I had a better story, Schmidt, but uh I got a little one. Yeah, let me hear it. There there's this guy that uh he told me like you you can't you can't say the price of our decks on, on the Thrasher site because it's not that price in Atlanta. Holy cannoli. Okay, here's here's a good rebuttal <laughs> to that. The the reason and anyone who lives with me or lives and works with me, they know I'm just I have a hard time keeping shit clean. Like <laughs> I have a hard time keeping shit from breaking and keeping shit clean. So Ardex was always my thing because I could never use fucking Bondo. I sucked at it and I'd uh, leave a giant mess and I was never like, let's tape it and sand it. I'm like, just splat it on and let's fucking get it. <laughs> How much do you think that um, Ozzy has helped you 
because I think I got to know you more after you had Ozzy. So I didn't know you so much before that. But yeah. in, in my mind, you articulate pretty well and like have this like kind of educational approach to explaining things. It's like it doesn't go on forever, but it's simple and it, it kind of gets to the point. And in my mind, I'm like, is that because you're a father or is that just how you are? I don't know, man. Well, thank you for that compliment. But um, definitely having kids had opened my eyes and uh, just gave me such a better outlook on fucking life, dude. I don't know. I was just kind of in that rut, you know, mid-20s, partying so hard for 10 years and just kind of was like, that was the, the fucking kick in the ass that I needed to, like, focus on the shit that matters which is like family and skating Mm. first skating second working third you know and uh yeah ozzy was such a late talker he didn't talk till he was two and a half three years old and Mm. that's like pretty rare for kids to talk that late and uh and i just tried really hard to like vocalize everything to him with just no return for a long time so maybe that has something to do with it, but uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. I'm so thankful that we had our kids, and I'm so thankful for who they are because they're just wild animals, and uh. we just try to tame them, and we're holding on for dear life, but we're so much enjoying this ride too, you know? Because oh, yeah, now that I'm, I'm thirty, I'm thirty-two now, so I'm not that young, I'm not that old, but come on, we know how short we know how fucking short life can be. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, who's going to win Sodi this year? We got uh, probably two weeks till they announce it. Who can you give me some options who it's between? Because I know that like Louis, I'll give Ty you my, done. I'll give you my top four or five in my mind. Yeah. I'm going, okay. We got Tyshawn. We got, when I say Nija and everyone goes, Ooh, Nija just put out an insane video. Oh, part. I watched it. That was it's, fucking it's bonkers. So yeah. we got. So I'm saying Nija, Tyshawn, my pick, T Funk, and then uh, Louis Lopez, and for a five, slide the five in there for the feel good story of the year. <laughs> we got we got my good friend down in Hollywood. This is Kevin Spanky ah, Long. Yeah. Spanky, I would love for him to get Sodi. It would just be the best. Talk about a curveball. And fucking Spanky is the nicest dude on yeah, earth. He's and the best. Has been ripping so fucking hard since I was a little ass kid. Yeah. I've been watching him since fucking what? This is America or what was that little tour video? He was on, um, what was it called? 16 or whatever. The teen little... You know, oh the, yeah, I forget what that was, but he didn't stop skating, but he quit his job in skating, got a regular job, was doing I think construction or something for a while, and yeah. then he got sober and he got the opportunity to come back. Boss man, let him, and yeah, ever since Baker, then, right? it's been oh, it's been fun to watch the Hetchins, uh, the he, the little art shit he does too. Like he's the yeah. full deal. Yeah, I like Spanky. Best, man. I'm I'm such a fan of Spanky skating. Such a fan of Louie. I'm such a fan of Tyshawn. T Funk really fucked it up. I don't know, man. Skater of the year. 
Yeah. I got to say, because what? It comes down to a lot of variables. You got to have the the gnarliness. You got to have the output. You got to have the people's choice going with you, too. So Spanky is definitely up there in my favorites because I could tell how much he's enjoying skating. And he's been doing it forever, so that's great. And, uh, yeah, I'm a mega fan, but I don't know if he's getting it. T-Funk did some of the gnarliest shit, China Banks and everything else, but haven't seen all the output. I think it's between Tyshawn and Lou at this part, at this point. I think you're right. And, man, we're, we got two more parts coming down the pipes, right? Like Tyshawn's got another one, and yeah. Louie's got another one. Yeah, and so does Nija too. Oh, oh, sorry, I forgot Nija. So I watched his first one that came out, and that's probably some of like the heaviest skating to date. Got to be. And, and then they—I heard that that's not like the next part's better. So that's almost like—is <laughs> it—is it too gnarly? Here's the deal: when it's time to announce Sodi next week, and you drop three parts this week, I just don't like that. Like I want to, I want skating all year round and nobody trying to get this. Like it's, I get why. And I understand that the companies are pushing them and it's more than just like, it's not just the skater that has that mentality. I understand everything. Believe me, I go to me, I get it. But the whole thing just drives me crazy. Like I just want the guy like Ryan Desenzo, he drops a part in January. That's amazing. But by October, nobody even remembers he put out a part. It's just like, let's just skate and like drop. Like, I don't know. It's just so weird. Yeah, I don't know. I I would say I'm also not probably the biggest fan of pump it all out in the last two months before it gets like it's a full but, run for Sodi, right? But that's cool, too. That's fucking everyone's cup of tea. Like, believe, believe you me, I wish I had three parts that I could drop right fucking now. You know, well, who's who are you going to sway with then? Oh, my God. I'm I'm such a fan of Tyshawn and Louie. And I want to say like. Nigel, too, man, he's just so gnarly, but like it's almost so gnarly that I can't even fucking understand it, you know, whereas Louie and Tyshawn, I could kind of relate to that skating a little more so for me this is just a me thing personally this is stuck between tyshawn and louis so as it stands right now i'm giving it to tyshawn for round two but i know louis got some craziness coming down the pipes and he's probably been deserving it for the last few years as is so we gotta see we gotta see Louis. i want to see what pans out and if Louie comes out with some fucking fire, some heat, then we might have to give it to him. But if Tyshawn's next part is heavier than the last one he put out, then fuck, I don't know. It's going to be a tough call, but it's Tyshawn or Louie. I book. just want to say that I don't know who's winning. Like, I no, do work I mean, for... You guys I do don't work... know until you don't know until you call it, you know, or until the right, so... come in. <laughs> To just go out on a record, I'm going to say, I think, besides your cover, the Tyshawn cover was the best cover of the year. Second to yours. Ah, <laughs> yeah, Schmitty. <laughs> <laughs> How you like me now? 
<laughs> you know what's we live in such a rad fucking time of skating that like these are the conversations we get to have you know because dude louis and tyshawn are like some of the most raddest style sickest to watch such different skateboarders in their right. own right you now they're both so fucking powerful and so just creative and next level that yeah it's a tough call i'm glad i don't gotta make that call <laughs> well what do you got for the holidays anything special are you just kick, keeping it local are you traveling what are you doing we're just keeping it local man i i'm like started my little concrete construction company so i'm just trying yeah. to establish this and capitalize how, on the surf at the same time and how is it how has it been being on instagram I don't even run it. Paula runs it. I'm not on there. So what? How does that work? You send her photos. Yeah. Oh. I send her all the photos, videos of the jobs, and she posts it all. And she does my. So life. you're still not on there. No. Oh. I just uh. Send okay, her so all I'll stop. I'll stop uh, DMing you. She's well, probably like, dude, you're French. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get home from work and she's like, "Oh, you got a bunch of like messages you should respond to." Ah. So then if it's work that's coming in, I'll respond to that. If it's my homies writing, I'll respond to that and Okay. Uh, well, that's good to know. On, I'll just text you on from now phone. on. <laughs> it's not on my phone and uh but it was like such a no-brainer, you know. We're starting a company. Yeah. And it's free Great advertising, advertising, you know. Yeah. And we've we've landed a lot of jobs from it and there's jobs coming in and also like you know i'm kind of like reclusive and like to keep to myself so it is cool when i see like oh fuck i don't have this person's number and they're reaching out i could say what's up well paul said according to the analytics she said the talking schmidt bump was huge <laughs> it put you guys into another level yeah that's you pushed us into the next tax bracket <laughs> dude Hey, I got one question from this Instagram guy. His name's Ducky Fucky, and he wants to know what your favorite cereal is. He needs to know. Oh, fuck. I don't even eat cereal, but as a kid, you better believe I love the Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Ooh. Me and uh, Antonius Dincho, we uh, are thinking <laughs> about doing a cereal um, top 64 and have a bracket and have... <laughs> we're both we're, we're like serial connoisseurs we'll send each other photos when we're in safeway we'll be like "Ooh, new captain crunch or like whatever yes what, what's your favorite dude i don't know like i was talking to rob welsh about it and without hesitation he said honey nut cheerios okay and, so that's my new one with the kids because they want all those marshmallows and the sugar and this and that i'm like no way fools you ain't getting that so the honey nut cheerios is the in-between What's gone into this body more than any other cereal? We're going Cocoa Pebbles. You best believe that. Damn. All <laughs> <Yeah. right. laughs> Always saw it. Never, never fucking bit you on You can tell by the side tires. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Hey. You're looking fucking fit nowadays. Well, hey, the 50 push-up rule. I like it, man. Yeah. You know what? I got to be honest. I only did those push-ups when you guys called me out in the text outside of the car and I gave you like 14. 
I got hey, a bad wrist. You but I'll do sit-ups like a madman. See, I can't. That's what I got to do because I can't do those. But you and Cranny are the only two people in my history that have called out push-ups. And I'm like, it gets me fired up. Like he's like, yeah, it really gets Cranny will be like, dude, I got 70. I'll be like, fuck, okay, I'll try to get 50 today. And he's yeah, like, sick. I'm doing 100 now. I'll be like, I mean, not to get all weird, but like it no, does help you when you get older to try to get like your core. Salba told me this long story about how he went to the doctor and the doctor's like, dude, your back hurts because you got no core, bro. Like your your stomach muscles are no weak. No brainer at that point. And then, then so that's when he started doing push-ups all the time to build that up because so, his back was hurting. Yeah, and it probably worked. I mean, I'm sure it did. Well, funny, cool. funny thing is like, you know, my kids are always, anytime I bend over, they just want to jump on your back and oh. on your head, beat you up. And my kids are all like into that. Like they think it's cool to like fucking try to wail on dad, which who doesn't, but, but my wrists are so shitty that uh my push-up game is weak you know like this so these little, oh. these little fools have learned how to do push-ups on their knuckles Ooh. <laughs> and i'm and like that's there's... good so but, I, but i've been teaching ozzy and coyote like come on push-ups and it's good anything that gets your blood flowing get you like moving come on that's what i think is going to keep us alive to be yeah. honest hey peace don't used to tell me come on schmitty 20 of these every morning, just circles. Anything, right? <laughs> yeah. It could be anything. Uh, last one. Sean the Gut Guterres, he wants your dream session and crew. Oh, my God, dude. All right. It's going to be Stone. It's going to be you. It's going to be Cranny. It's going to be the bot. It's going to be all of our anti-hero crew. It's going to be KT, Maldonado, when they were fucking in their prime. All my Pittsburgh homies, all the Petrero homies, everyone that used to lurk out at Pulaski and Love Park. I want my dream session to be all the Mafia, Wes, everyone down in SD. I want the Copenhagen homies. I want this <laughs> conglomerate, Evan. I want everyone that I named in this thing today. That would be my dream session. And, and where at? We're going to have to have a big spot. Oh, we're just going to session Pittsburgh on a Sunday, downtown, <laughs> the whole city, crusty style, and that's my dream. Fuck yeah, dude. I love it. Thank you so much for spending the time, man. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this, and a lot of people have been hitting me up going, why don't you do Camfoos? Do you know him? And I was like, yeah, I know him. We're waiting until he gets in the 1-8. Get it? He's anti-hero. So 181, we did pretty good, I think. <laughs> Man, it was just like a combination of fucking <laughs> so much, you know, like you and I use our free time to hit yeah. the beat, go skate. No, I know, we're I know. Skating, I'm trying to hustle work. So we're just, we're busy cats, but man, I'm so thankful that you got me on here too. And hopefully hey, we can do a round two in the future. Of course, you're welcome anytime. We do the best we can and that's all we can do. That's what I always say. What song are we going to throw in the jukebox and take the fucking big blue trip up to Portland and give Joe Brooks some fucking Dairy Queen shakes with? Damn. All right. Something that'll <laughs> something that'll really just get the gears going to yeah, get on the we road. got 15 hours. It's a long one. All right. 15 hours starting the road trip. Man, I don't know. Do we want to start it off rocking or do we want to start it off kind of fucking rolling? Um, let me think of a jam that I've really been liking lately. Um, mm -hmm. 
this is just one that's kind of come back around to me and it popped up in the uh in the shuffle recently but i'm gonna say gary rafferty baker street just to ease into a long one that's gonna go for a long time dude we did it we did it yeah man thanks so what time what time at sloat tomorrow um sun comes (laughs) up i'll be there at six i like getting there when it's dark are you going if i'll check the report when i get off the phone and if there's waves let's meet there oh yeah yeah let me know i was kidding but yeah i'm so stoked and looking forward to a thousand sessions this winter it's on like and i got a i got a um challenge to all the yawn patrol because i know they're yeah, listening there's 18 of them in that text except for eddie <laughs> eddie flew the coop we, we eddie, haven't seen no, him eddie Sarnicky is still in the text. I think he's just got us on mute right now because <laughs> he's like, these idiots won't shut up. Well, I got a challenge. I'm going to be filming the on patrol. My big challenge is I have never filmed anyone catch a wave under the Golden Gate Bridge. Who is going to be the first for me to film catching a wave? Oh, 24 7 i am on call if you guys want to go i am down so that's going to be beerman goto jordy likes to go there toad hits that spot it's okay you need a maxed out northwest swell that's blown out ob it's too giant everywhere is too big and windy and shitty that's oh. blocked by the wind but it allows the swell to trickle in and that's so the we way need a huge day yes okay well, I'm waiting for it. I, I think it's going to be beautiful. I'm I'm all into the sun rising and the Golden Gate Bridge and birds. I got super slow-mo in mind. Like, and that, kids, is a wrap. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at talkingschmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout out. Love it! This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation 
is deeper. Keep the wheels greased. <laughs>